Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On out with those same that Recorded live. Crew. And brought in fish. He had to have had success because he was still in business. Fishing. But out of all the times that it worked, he comes back and what has always, y'all are going to miss this, but if you don't get it, I'll run for you. God had to allow what had always worked in the natural to fail in order to thrust them out of natural. This economic collapse did not take God by surprise. It shouldn't have taken the preachers by surprise. It shouldn't have taken the church by surprise. Because God's saying, I'll wave my finger. I'll let America fail if they have to. I'll let the systems of this world fail if they have to. Because he's not so much concerned about this world as he is getting his church out of the natural into the... commands you to get on your feet in the name of Jesus and begin to give him some praise. I ain't here to play church. I'm here to push you out of the natural and command you to walk. I dare you to start walking right now in your seat. I ain't walking in the natural, baby. I'm stepping into the super. But every now and again, he'll let their diagnosis fail. I thank God for pills. But every now and again, God will let the pills fail. Because he's trying to get his church deeper. He doesn't want us where we were in 1973 and 1986. He wants the church to go deeper. I dare to grab somebody's hand and tell them, I am going deeper. Shout hallelujah. Sit down, y'all wearing me out. I'm too young to be wore out. Come on, stay deeper, deeper, deeper. I came to invade hell tonight. I, I ain't here to be nice. I ain't here to play with you. I'm here to watch cancer fall off your body. AIDS dry up out of your bloodstream. I'm here to watch lame limbs leap again. I'm here to release a supernatural power. So, Peter goes with Jesus. He fishes. Not one boat starts to be weighed down. The point where it almost sinks. 
He got a call for a second boat. Jesus is so bad, he was telling Peter. If Peter had had a good day, he could fill up one boat on his own. But he said, I'm going to bless you so good that you will not be able to come back in the harbor trying to trick folk and fake it like you did it. I'm going to bless you so good, you're going to have to say, well, Jesus. That's it. That's it. It's just Jesus. The boat, so full, it begins to sink. Jesus walks off that boat and he says, I will now make you fishers of men. I don't have much time. Listen, you in your home, listen, I'm about to command you to action. I'm telling you there's an anointing here that you do not want to miss. Jesus walks off the boat and he says, now you will, from here on out, fish for men. I get an email almost every week that I read from somebody who has seen me on TBN. Young man wrote last week and said, I've, I've been to church three months. Every time I wanted to go to the altar, something stopped me from, from giving my life to Jesus. Because I was watching TBN the other night and said the prayer with you. And I'm saved and I got filled with the Holy Ghost a week later in his church. This network is all about souls. I don't care what the critics say. I don't care what preachers say. I've witnessed it with my own eye. I've heard the reports with my own ear. There is no net as great as this net. There is no net that is far-reaching as this net. And because of it, what God has blessed, no man can curse. The devil is a liar, and God is on his throne. Just had to say that. He says, from this day on, you'll be fishers of men. We understand that the fish represents souls, but let us never be so spiritual. I'm about to talk to you. I'm about to talk to you. Let us never be so spiritual to miss the gospel. Peter was a fisherman, and Peter was not paid on salary. He was paid on commission. The more fish, uh-oh, I'm about to get crazy. The more fish, the more money, and the more blessing. Now, I'm, I don't know much about fishing. I know i got some folk that know how to bait a hook and all that. I don't know much about it. I tried to take my wife fishing. It lasted three minutes. When I lost the reel over the river, I said, I'm going home. I'm not a master fisherman, but if I were to ever decide that was my calling, if this preaching thing don't work for me, I might start fishing. Hallelujah. The first thing that I would buy if I lived in, in, in Peter's day would not be a net. You could get one of those anywhere. I would have to get me a boat. That's where it all starts right there. You've got to get a boat. The boat was the number one resource to fishing. And when Jesus came to talk to Peter, he said to him, will you let me borrow the first fruit of your life? They missed it. They, they missed it. This is the first thing you've got to have. This is the first fruit of what you're going to have a livelihood with. If you don't have a boat, forget about fishing. The nets are useless. 
And Jesus said, will you let me borrow your first fruit? Peter said, go ahead. Jesus did not borrow it for a sightseeing tour. He did not borrow it because he wanted to get out in the water and get his tan a little darker. He borrowed it because he was trying to set Peter up by saying, if you will lend to me your first fruits that I may speak my word, I will in turn take an empty boat and make it a full boat and give you a second boat just because I'm God. I don't want you to miss that. He said, if you will give me the first fruit, your resource, it may leave your hand empty. No, 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 you ain't hearing me. Because I'm talking about Bentleys and new homes and new... I'm not talking, No, 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 I'm talking about souls. When you give your $30 or $365 for the year, there is a young man and a young woman that you will never see until you get to heaven that's living in the Middle East under oppression, demonic powers like you've never known. But because they're going to see TBN and see a man like Pastor Jensen Franklin, something is going to happen, the yoke is going to break, and you will have an eternal reward that the government cannot take from you. Taxes cannot... It is a reward that can never be taken. I want everybody standing in this auditorium. I'll ask you to do it. Lift your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost if you can. There have been miracles being released all night. My assignment is just a little different in this regard that I am asking tonight. I want to follow what these men of God have laid out. Listen to me, $30 a day or, or, or a month. That's $1 a day. If you give $1 a day every day, you are giving your boat every day to the gospel. You want to give it in one sum of $365, that's all right, but you better do it knowing that tomorrow and the day after and the day, you have a dollar that you are using to represent. Get in my boat daily. Get in my boat daily. We don't give just to receive, but thanks be to God. You can't breathe out without having to breathe in. You cannot give without receiving. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, you're going to run. You're going to pick that thing up and you are going to dial that number on your screen. When I count to three, and you're going to say, all right, God... I'll give you a dollar a day. I'll give you $365 for the entire year. And I am going to cover every day of my next year. I'm going to put my boat out there every day for the rest of this year. And I believe that every day for the rest of this year, God's going to give you two boats for every boat you give him. I love worship and I love soft music, but I feel like there has to be a shout in this house. I said, I feel like there has to be a shout. I'm going to count in just a minute, but I need you to praise. Before you dial, I need you to clap in your home. Before you pick up the phone, I need you shouting with me. I need you praising with me. 
Come on, come on, Orlando. I'm going to count in just a second. There's something significant about to happen. I said there's something significant about to happen. Every day of my life for the next year, I'm giving my boat, and I'm ready for blessing to come back in. Are you ready, Orlando? Are you ready, world? One, two, three. Go to your phone right now, and you go to praising him. Go, 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 go. Go to your phone. I'll give you my boat every day. I'll give you something of mine every day. I need Orlando to lift their voice and give God some radical praise. Come on, go to the phone. Go, 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 go. Something is moving. Something is shifting. Something is happening. Somebody give God a radical praise just one more time tonight. Come on and bless him. Isn't it exciting to be a part of the generation spoken of in Matthew 24, 14? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. We're excited to announce that TBN is also now proclaiming the gospel 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, throughout the entire United Kingdom on Freeview, one of the largest television platforms in all of Europe. The UK was once vibrant and alive with believers, but like so much of Europe, is now referred to as post-Christian. Please help us return the UK to its once strong Christian foundations. Because of faithful partners like you, who understand that everything we have comes from the Lord, the incredible worldwide gospel outreach of TBN is by God's grace now larger than even secular networks as it fulfills the great commission to the nations 24 hours a day all around the world. And now on Freeview. But as only Jesus, born in a humble manger, would have it, this desperately hurting world is depending on you to be his hands and feet to spread the good news of the gospel over satellites, television stations, and the internet. Know that it's up to each one of us to send the life-giving truth of Jesus Christ to a hurting world. Be a part of sowing into this massive, global, end-time harvest to the glory of God. There are so many voices that clearly message the gospel on TBN, but TBN is the mouthpiece that allows these voices to be heard around the world. Won't you please pick up the phone right now Call and make a generous donation and help the UK to return to its Christian foundations before it's too late. Your call will help throw precious lifelines to souls that one day in glory may say to you, I'm here because you gave. Thank you. With God, nothing is impossible. And for you to understand that, uh, dear lady down here, could you hand me that white card right there? Could you hand me that white card? In order for you to understand that, I want to show you a picture of what is impossible for God. Because when we say nothing is impossible, we break that up, no thing. You know, no thing is too difficult. No thing is too hard. No thing... Is too big for God. And that's good, and that's true. But I want to come at it a little different. This, what is this? What's this a picture of? This is impossible for God. 
It's impossible for you to give and God do nothing. It's impossible for you to serve the Lord and He do nothing. It's impossible for you to fast and pray and praise and be faithful and serve God and obey His Word and obey the men of God when they challenge you. It's impossible for God to do nothing. Now, He may not do everything. He may not do the thing. But He's going to do something because with God, nothing is impossible. The prophet got in the birthing position. The Bible said Elijah put his knees and his head between his knees and he began to pray and he sent the servant to go look. Our problem is we pray and we don't go look. We pray and we don't expect anything to happen. We give and we don't believe God's going to do anything. But somebody needs to pray and somebody needs to look. But remember now, nothing, it's impossible for God to do nothing. So the prophet is praying and the servant goes and looks because he was praying for rain. And the servant runs back to the prophet and the prophet said, what did you see? He said one word. Nothing. The prophet knew, well, that, that's not right. That's not the answer. Because with God, nothing is impossible. So go back. So he runs back. And he looks. And he comes back. And he says to the prophet, and the prophet says, what did you see? He said, key word. Nothing. See, some of you have called and pledged and nothing's happened and you quit. You gave up. You did something two years ago or three years ago, but just because it doesn't happen the first time, with God, if, if, if the answer was nothing, you just haven't keep, you have to keep going back. With God, nothing. So he goes back again and he goes Back again, and he goes back again in the same answer. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I'm talking to people right now, and all you've been told is nothing, 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 nothing. The prophet said, that's impossible with God, so I'm just going to keep praying. Because with God, nothing is impossible. You better go check one more time. Goes back that seventh time. And the Bible said he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now, it was a little cloud, but the Bible said from the little cloud came a great rain. Sometimes we miss miracles because we don't understand that God can take a little cloud and bring great rain. And He comes back with that word, nothing. He went through six handfuls of nothing. But when you're down to nothing, God's up to something. And there are people listening to me right now. We don't have a lot of time. But we've got a lot of prayer. We've got a lot of faith. We've got a lot of agreement. Jesus said, what did you catch? Peter, 
What did you catch when you went fishing? Key word. Nothing. But with God, nothing is impossible. Go back out. Cast your net on the other side. I'm talking to some of you who've already even pledged. And the Lord says, don't give and settle for nothing. The on- listen, listen, listen. The only way you will get nothing from God, because with God nothing is impossible. The only way you'll get nothing from God is to accept nothing. But when you keep going back, you keep praying, you keep fasting, you keep giving, you keep serving, you keep praising, you keep obeying, and you say with God nothing is impossible, nothing is impossible, nothing, I cannot serve God and get nothing out of it. I cannot give to the kingdom and get nothing back in return. It's impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. And I want you right now to agree with God's Word and not accept nothing. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Father, I thank you right now that there are hundreds of people that have been through handfuls of nothing. They've asked, they've prayed, but they've had to go through the nothings of God. But I praise you that as we obey you tonight, there is a cloud the size of a man's hand. And I want to ask every one of you that know I'm talking to you right now. It's describing your circumstance and your situation. We've been challenging people all night here to sow that seed of a dollar a day, $30 a month, a one-time gift of $365, $30 a month if that's how you want to do it. But we want to encourage you right now to pick up that phone. And if there's a need in your life, Sow that seed and agree with the Word of God that with God nothing is impossible. I cannot keep sowing into this mountain and the mountain not move. What if Elijah would have settled for the third nothing or the fourth nothing or the fifth nothing? What if he hadn't kept going back? You may be one phone call away from your breakthrough. You may be one obedient act of sowing a seed. If, if there's nothing to what we're saying, then all you're going to do is miss a few dollars that God's going to use to save souls all over the world. But if this is your word and this is your moment, it's time to go back and look one more time. And see that God is still in the miracle business. And with God, nothing is impossible. Don't go away. Watch Carrie Shook Ministries offering a clear contemporary teaching on TBN, the number one Christian network in the world. This is TBN celebrating 42 years of God's miracles. Presentation of Terry Smith Ministry.
So I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. It's called the love chapter, as you know, and it's read at many weddings when no one is really paying attention. And so I want to read it today. And here we see that the Apostle Paul tells us that love is not a magic act or a fairy tale, but rather a work of art that God, the great master painter, can bring to life on the canvas of our lives. So would you stand with us, church, in honor of God's word? And I want to welcome all of you worshiping with us at our satellite campuses and everyone worshiping with us from our online and broadcast ministry all around the world and everyone here in the woodlands. And we stand to honor God's word as just a small symbol that we recognize that God's word is the only thing that can change our lives, that God's word is the only foundation solid enough upon which you can build a strong relationship, a strong marriage, a strong family, or a strong church. It's the only solid foundation upon which you can build a solid life. So follow along with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And here the Apostle Paul paints for us this beautiful picture of what real love is. First, we judge by the outward appearance, and God judges by the heart. We hold grudges about what somebody did, but God evaluates who they are. And, and, and that's why I would rather be in the hands of God than to be in the hands of man. Because man is dangerous in his judgment. Don't let him get a little power. He's dangerous in his judgment. He'll make snap decisions based on temporary situations that have long-term consequences and never shuts down to the heart of who you really are. They will judge you over one moment in your life and separate that from the totality of who you are. You can do a thousand things right and do one thing wrong, and everybody who said Hosanna will turn around and say crucify him. Y'all don't know anything about, about that. I, I found Zacchaeus interesting. I, I want to say to you is I don't know how sermonic I would be or uh, anything like that. I, I'm not really out to exegete the text. I just want to talk to you. For the, for the last five weeks, I have been counseling various versions of Zacchaeus. I want you to take a deep look at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, whether you like him or not, is successful. He is aggressive. He is assertive. He has worked all of his life trying to position himself so that he can get in a position of being advantaged. He might be a little bit slick. He might be sitting next to you. He has expended a great deal of energy to position himself so that he was out of harm's way, so that he looked good, so that he was impressive, so that the people around him would respect him, and it has not worked. He has become a tax collector, separated himself from his situation, somehow won up his people, moved into a position of seemingly authority. He has become the chief of the tax collectors. 
I believe in having vision, and I believe in being aggressive. But watch out for people who are driven. Driven, who must get there at any cost, who don't care who they take under or what they have to do to get where they're trying to go. Watch out for people who are driven. You want to be led. You want to be led, but you don't want to be driven. Because when you are driven, it is because there is something down inside of you that is pushing you. It is the same action as the guy who is led, but it is a different motive. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. It's the same action. If you stand on the outside and look at them, they do the same things, but they're doing it for a different reason. A guy who is led is just following the dictates of the Holy Spirit. A guy who is driven has got something eating at him on the inside that's pushing him to always try to be up, to be better, to get forward, to get acknowledgement. He, he has a demon he's fighting down inside of him. When, when, when you see people intent on being big, Little got him. That's a tweetable right there. <laughs> when you see people intent on being big, big at all costs, little got him. When you give a little person a big position, they are intent on intimidating everybody around them because the way to make them look big is to make you feel small. And when a man comes up short on the inside and he tries to be big on the outside, everybody around him suffers from the issues he cannot resolve. Well, what makes you big or short is comparing yourself with your environment. Because short is tall if you find somebody shorter. You'll get that when you get home. And the problem that happens in church and that happens particularly with men is that we, we do everything by measurements. The Bible says that when we compare ourselves with one another in so doing, it is not why. How do I measure up? How do I compare to the guy you had before? Am I as good as your ex-husband? How do I score points in life? See, men are so busy scoring points that we can't play the game. I can, I can never forget in the early years of my ministry as a pastor in the hills of West Virginia, I am the same guy that I am right now. I had the same anointing that I had right then. I had the same call on my life that I had right now. And I had seven members in a storefront with a leaky roof. And I can never forget going to pastor's conferences that made me want to commit suicide because you could not meet a pastor that wouldn't tell you how many he was running, Doc. How many are you running, God? What is this, a football game? What are we scoring? Are you saying that if I don't have as many members as you, I'm not as anointed as you? Hey, I got a news flash for you. I'm an anointed in the storefront. Hey! That's how I got here. What was a storefront anointing? 
But when you are surrounded by people who measure you by their standard of excellence and you fall so if you're not careful, you will give up on your dream because you don't have the accoutrement whereby they define success. How many degrees do you have? Now it's not enough to have a degree, it's got to be where you got it from. See, it keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And, and if you're not careful, people will use what they're good at to make you feel small. And whenever you see them do that, little got them. Check the brother next to you and say, does little have you? Anytime you use what God gave you to make me look bad, then you are just wearing a camouflage of bigness. You are really a little person. Some of the brokest people I know flash the baddest watches in town. Got the biggest columns and the baddest houses and so broke they can't pay attention. They cannot make wise decisions because they are bent on having a camouflage in order to come at the fact that you are not there yet. No wonder the first question God asked Adam was Adam. Where are you? From the fig leaves to the fire in the house. Sometimes we use things to cover up where we are. When things really should be used for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God, things really should be used. So that when God says so and when God speaks a word, you can make a difference in somebody's life. They should never be used as a weapon to belittle somebody who is not there yet. There, there are some men in here who are in some situations right now that, that do not reflect who you really are. You're in a tight place, a small place, a narrow place. An embarrassing place. You barely got here. I know exactly what it's like to be you. I know what it is to go back to the room that I couldn't pay for with six guys in the room eating bologna and coming out here and shouting and saying someday. But let me tell you, these lighter fixes, which my but for a moment, were for a far more exceeding weight of glory. So we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are seen are similar, but the things that are not seen are eternal. I wish you would tell it what you're going to be. If you can't shout in what you are, shout in what you're going to be. Still to come on The Potter's Touch. The problem is we are trying to take shortcuts to destiny. And when you take shortcuts to destiny, you do radical things to appear higher than you 
And when you do radical things to appear higher than you really are, you will not last because you don't have the structure and the foundation to be able to stand up under the pressure that comes from walking in divine blessings. Are you carrying weights and creases that had nothing to do with you? Are you being victimized? By you. Remove the obstacles in your path with Destiny Steps. Somebody's about to take flight. Clear the runway. Start the engine. Go through your seatbelt. Because God is teaching me how to flow into my destiny. For your gift of any size, you will receive Bishop's timely message, Destiny Flocks Together, on CD from the series Destiny Steps. And when your gift is $65 or more, you'll receive Bishop's six-message series, Destiny Steps, on DVD. Go ahead and master where you are. And after why, without you even trying to do it, where you started will turn into where you're going. That's what destiny is pulling you into. However, for your gift of $110 or more, we'll also include our helpful Be Still clipboard and notepad. It's time to be the you God meant you to be. Your destiny is already in you. See, you, you got to talk right. I told my wife, I said, you follow me, you marry me? You don't marry me? Take you places you ain't never seen. I'm going to show you things you could not imagine. She said, yeah. I said, follow me and see. Three months later, I got laid off. Nine months later, we were in a car wreck. She couldn't walk for two years. In the, by the end of two years, we had lost almost everything we had. My idea of success was to have all of the utilities on at the same time. I was preaching faith and coming to my church to teach Bible class. And I'm glad about it. Because those defining moments... But the fight and the fire and the determination and the relentlessness down inside of you, I had to be tested with obscurity before I could be trusted with notoriety. I had to dance broke before I could shout rich. But the Bible said, after you suffered a while, I'll establish you. Make you perfect. If you can't say hallelujah over beans, forget about filet mignon. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying to you tonight. See, the problem is we are trying to take shortcuts to destiny. And when you take shortcuts to destiny, you do radical things to appear higher than you really are. And when you do radical things to appear higher than you really are, you will not last because you don't have the structure and the foundation to be able to stand up under the pressure that comes 
from walking in divine blessing. You got to get your fight back. Grab that brother and say, get your fight back. Your strength is not proven in your accomplishments. It's not proven by your successes. Your strength is proven by the tenacity you had when all hell was breaking loose. That you dared to believe in something that looked like a fool to everybody else. Is there any faith left in the church? You cannot be a fraudulent man and be a man of faith. Because when you are fraudulent and when you are phony, it means that you have given up hope in your own dream. And rather than to believe that you could attract God being yourself, you climb up a fictitious tree and fraudulently and erroneously present yourself as being more than you are to cover up for the fact that you are who you are and you really don't believe that you can get his attention with your feet on the ground. Zacchaeus, I want to talk to you tonight. It is not that God doesn't have a destiny for your life. It is not that God is not going to use you in an amazing way. It is not that God doesn't have a purpose for your life. But he will not anoint your fraud. You cannot start your relationship with Jesus from your tree. He will not come to you until you come down out of your tree. Sit down, I just want to talk to you a minute. Uh, Zacchaeus climbed the tree to hide his deficiencies. You'd be amazed at the things men do to hide their deficiencies. And by the way, we got it twisted. We hide the part of us that God wants most. We are busy giving God something that he cannot use. We put on what we think makes us important and impressive, and we parade it before God and ask God to anoint who we pretend to be. And God will never anoint who you pretend to be. He will only anoint who you are. brothers tonight is do you have the courage to forsake the safety of the tree you've created and come down out of your tree and have a real encounter with God do you want to hang out on the branches of church notoriety or will 
you come down to the floor and have an encounter with God? Do you want to impress everybody with what great of a man you are and then go home in the secret of the night and whipper in the darkness? Because nobody really knows who you are. I found out that loneliness cannot be dismissed by crowds of people. Because you can be around thousands, yea, millions of people who love what you do and have no clue who you are. You know what the most shocking part of this text is? It is not so much that Zacchaeus came down. It was that Jesus, the Lord of glory, walked up to him and knew his name. He knew the name of God he had never met. He said, I already know who you are. Zacchaeus, I see you up there. And the Lord sent me here tonight to tell you, my dear brothers, that he knows who you are. Not who you pretend to be. Not all the things you have climbed up to position yourself in a state of advantage over the people you run with. He says, if you're going to have an encounter with them, stay in the tree. But if you want an experience with me, Whatever God calls your name, something is going to happen. Means I already know your deepest and darkest secrets. Means I already know your height and your limitations. Means I have an agenda for you. I knew you before you knew me. Zacchaeus, you're trying to meet me, but I already know you. Zacchaeus! If you don't believe him calling you by your name will disrupt your situation, don't ask Zacchaeus. Ask Lazarus. Ask Lazarus what will happen. When God walks into the dank of your deficiencies and commands you by your name and says, I know you're stinky, and I know your blood is congealed, and I know your heart is not beating, and I know that your temperature has become cold, and I know that your blood has coagulated, but in spite of all of these circumstances, when I call your name, there is no limitation that will stop you from coming out of your situation. When I call your name, I will make your heart beat, your blood flow, your knees bend, your back jerk, your head move. Lord, He knows what you've been through. God knows your name. For years, We've been saying, what's my name? What's my name? 
do something with your name. You won't need a title. Because God is getting ready to do something with your name. He didn't tell Abraham, I'll give you a title. He told Abraham, I'll make your name great. When your name is great enough, your title can't help it. Drop your brother and tell him, God's about to do something with your name. He's about to do something with your reputation. He's about to do something with your credit. He's about to do something with your background. Hallelujah. Thank you. Got to close there. It's been a real joy to share the word of the Lord with you. God has a plan for your life. Trust in his timing and his faithfulness. I believe that he that hath begun a good work in your life shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And man, oh man, in Megaplex 2013 has wet my appetite. What is he going to do in 2015? You got to come and see. I want to make sure that when you leave here, that you leave here on a whole you don't have to live in the dark feeling like you never know what to do. God will lead you and guide you and direct you. He's not some agenda. He's not just all Jesus. Do you know how strong his name is? I just need you to reach up in the heavenly and cry out big. I need you to release it over your life. You want to just reach back and dig in and see what God did in your life then. It'll give you a clue about where you're going now. Every day you wake up. You're subtracting from hell, and that's why the devil can't stand you. I know that there's a force on the planet much higher than the facts, and it's called the truth of the word of God. The anointing is coming on your life to change your season. Anoint me! I'm sorry, Brian. We're going to have to let you go. that awaits you. The first action step requires faith. Pre-order Destiny today. Everywhere books are sold. There is more. Come out! Come out of your tree. Come out of your covering. Come out of your cage. Come out of your arrogance. Come out of your pride. Come out of your anger. This is your moment to have a transformative experience with the divine manifestation of the Holy God. This is your moment. You can have church all you want to, but if you don't have Jesus, it doesn't mean anything at all. Tomorrow on Joni. Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed by world events? 
Do you ever find yourself wondering if God is really in control? If so, I'd like to invite you to tune in to Christ in Prophecy. The program is broadcast every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Time, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, here on the Daystar Television Network. We will try to help you develop an eternal perspective by showing you in Bible prophecy how God is orchestrating all the evil of mankind to the triumph of His blessed Son. Daystar On Demand is wherever you are. Anytime. Anywhere. We've got to have joy in life, and we've got to keep stepping up every day. And I think it is so important that our lives and our work have an important impact on the next generation. You've experienced it. Now tell a friend to watch Daystar. Today's generation makes Daystar their home for faith television. Daystar, experience it. The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. And her last words to me were, I just want to go home. Wow. And as she made that statement, I heard a horrendous crash. December 17, 1996, Ricky Tejada's wife, Deborah, was killed by a drunk driver. I shouted at God, and I said, what more do they need? He has a .18 blood alcohol level, and I have a good wife. Find out how Ricky's breaking point became God's turning point. We watch you every morning, but I'm so glad that you can't see us. Now, you can watch us all through the day. If you have never checked all the different satellite channels you can get us on, all the different local channels, I suggest you do it. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I welcome you to Life Today. Mike Hayes is a good friend who pastors Covenant Church in Dallas. I have preached there at the conferences. We share common concerns, and we really do believe that we know the answer, and it's found in the person Christ. Now, they have a branch of the Covenant Outreach Churches, Covenant Church in Colleyville. Betty and I have lived in Colleyville before anyone heard about it. It was just like a big old pasture. We've, we've actually been in the Colleyville area for over 40 years, and uh, we've watched Colleyville and South Lake develop. Well, the church where uh, our, our guest, Ricky, is, is pastoring uh, is a branch of the, the Covenant in Dallas, and I'm just thrilled to have them. Uh, the story, the journey, no one would want to go through. As a matter of fact, most people would say, that's curtains. Well, you finished. Uh, 12, verse 23. It's the story of David, David and his adultery with Bathsheba. He committed adultery. The son that was born to him uh, and Bathsheba was dying. He put on sackcloth and ashes, and he was mourning and praying and asking God to save this baby, that the life would be spared. The baby died. When the baby died, David got up and washed himself off and went into worship. And the people around him said, why aren't you mourning now? You were, you were crying when the baby was alive. Now you're, 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 you're not grieving the baby's gone. This is what David said. Second Samuel 12, 23, he said, he will not return to me, but I will go to him. I will see him again someday. How can that be? 
Well, I believe that God uh, would not have allowed that to be in the Bible to confuse so many people. It's not a certainty, but it is a hope. And it's a reason to hope. And I don't believe God would allow that to be in the Bible if he didn't know that, I won't have you put your hands up, but so many people here in your own family, in your extended family, you've, you've, the children have been lost, and you wonder what happened to them, and I, David said it. He's not coming back here, but I'll go to him. I'm going to see that baby someday. Every aborted child, every miscarried child, every child that died in their early years. Now, I don't know what the age is that a child becomes responsible or even if this doesn't include uh, disabled people who never reach the ability to understand and comprehend. I believe it does include them. But at some point, a person becomes morally responsible for their own choices. I'm going to tell you, everybody here listening right now, and on all of our campuses, is responsible for their own moral choices. And, and uh, while I believe that God has made provision for those who are not intellectually capable of comprehending, you are. And if you spurn the Son of God and you reject your own need for a Savior and you say, I'll figure it out myself, I'll get there somehow, why are you doing that? Well, people do that because we love darkness more than light. We'd rather be right than saved. We, we, we'd rather have our way than be saved there's a certain humility that's necessary to say, I don't deserve heaven. I need a Savior. I believe in Jesus for my forgiveness. Now here it says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Most people don't want to come to church, hear the word of God. Why? Because we're all of us, all of us, say all of us, all of us are like a bunch of cockroaches in the corner of an attic when the light's turned on and we scatter to get out of the light. I don't want to have to... It makes me uncomfortable to have the light shined on me. Right. My God, give us each the humility to let that happen so that our true condition can be the word here is exposed. Verse 21, whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. God, make it so. Now, beginning in verse 22 now, he's going to give you an illustration of what a believer looks like. So everyone here should be asking, do I have evidence? Do I have an, is there evidence to indicate that I'm a true believer in Jesus? Well, uh, the evidence is genuine belief in Christ as Savior shows up in humble obedience. Exhibit A, John the Baptist, verse 22. And this Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside... Uh, Judea is a province in the nation of Israel. Um, if you just look at the map here, you can see that um, right in the southern province, up at the north is Galilee, and uh, the south there. So he's not very far from Jerusalem, and he's baptizing people. John also was baptizing, verse 23, this is John the Baptist, at Anon near Salem. We're not entirely sure where that is, uh, probably south of Bethany. So he's up in Galilee there several days walk apart, not close. John was baptizing because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized. Now, uh, why is, look up here, why is Jesus baptizing people? He's baptizing people because they believed in him. All right? Now, biblically, belief uh, precedes baptism. You get that? 
So you're like, well, what's, what's with this whole infant baptism thing? Let me just settle that right now. Uh, remember the question I was ans- asking earlier about what happens to a baby when they die? Okay. Well, back in the Middle Ages, when the infant mortality rate was very high, people weren't willing to settle for 2 Samuel 12:23, and they basically made up infant baptism. It's not in the Bible. Okay? I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to hurt your parents' feelings. They probably did as best as they know. Okay? But salvation... Belief in Jesus is a personal decision. Nobody can do this for you. I'm not judging your parents. They didn't, maybe they didn't know any better. But there's not one chapter in the whole Bible that has a baby getting baptized. Okay? Always in the Bible, it's my belief in Jesus, then I get baptized as a believer to demonstrate the sincerity of that. So here, in the Gospel, people were believing in Jesus. They need to get baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. It's just the way that you go public about the decision you made. It's the first thing Jesus asks of his followers. A discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. In other words, how do you get clean before God? And they said to him, Rabbi, who was with you, a witness, look, he's baptizing, and all are going to him. And this is the key moment. This is when you know whether a person's a true believer or not. Like, losing your, you're losing your crowd. You're, you, everybody was following you, John. Now they're all turning to Jesus. This is awesome. Seven. Here was John's response. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. What's happening here? Nothing but that God is in control of that using then he says, you yourselves bear me witness that I said I'm not, I said I'm not the Christ, but that I was sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him re- rejoices great. In other words, if you're the best man at the wedding, you're not supposed to stand there and go, well, why isn't this my wedding? Why am I not getting the bride? Now, in his little analogy, Jesus is the groom. We're all the bride. And, and, and John's like, I, I'm the best man. I couldn't be happier about what's happening. Let everybody go to him. So, therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Here it is, verse 30. He must increase. I must decrease. Look at, look at, that's true Christian. Jesus must increase. More of him, turn up the volume on Jesus, turn down the volume on me. More about Jesus Christ and his honor and his reputation, less about me. Take my... Knows me. I don't need any anything. I just want Jesus. That that's the mark of a genuine Christian. But if you're still about you and my reputation and my fame and what people say about me, and you're always fighting for your own defense but never sticking up for Christ, that's a very bad sign. If you're still prideful, if you're still stubborn, if you're still I'm going to do it my way, that's really really bad. You're, I, I doubt very much that you're saved. I doubt very much that you're going to heaven. But if there's a growing pattern of humble obedience in your life, that would be salvation evidence. I have never made significant progress in my understanding of God's Word without a pen in my hand. I thank God for His Word, but taking notes, studying it myself, jotting down the things I'm learning 
keeping a record of it. Not just the preacher up there telling you what God's Word is saying, but you with your Bible open, with a pen in your hand, making a note of the things that God is teaching you. And we've got a resource to help you with that. He didn't dodge the question. He didn't skirt the subject. And he definitely didn't downplay who he was. The question, who is Jesus Christ? In the Gospel of John, we find the answer. Jesus tells us himself in seven distinct ways that meet us exactly where we are, beginning each answer with, I am. You can learn more about this Jesus of the Bible in our seven-chapter study guide of John's Gospel, I Am. This study will take you through each of the I Am statements of Jesus and help you see how they relate to your life today. The guide also includes the book of John from James McDonald's own Bible with his personal insights and notes in the margins. Get to know Jesus as he has revealed himself in Scripture by asking for the I Am study guide when you give a gift of any amount to walk in the Word. And by supporting this ministry with a gift of $130 or more, we'd also like to send you a special kit containing everything you need to dig deeper into God's Word. This kit includes a leather-bound journaling Bible, a Bible marking plan, and set of colored pencils for highlighting special verses that can help you go deeper into the truths of God's Word, all in a wooden walk-in-the-word case. Ask for this special Bible marking kit when you call 888-581-9673 or go now to jamesmcdonald.org. Look at verse 36 now. I'm done. Read verse 36 again yourself and let me wrap this up. Now what surprises you about verse 36? There's something there that's quite shocking actually. Do you see it? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not... What? Shouldn't it say whoever believes has eternal life, whoever does not believe shall not see life? Isn't that what it should say? Other place. Okay, and this is the point of the message. Obedience to Christ is such a natural, automatic, unstoppable outgrowth of belief in Jesus that here he uses them synonymously. He's like, if you believe, you obey. If you don't obey, you don't believe. Which makes the point of this message, genuine belief in Christ shows up in humble obedience. By humble is this. It used to be that if somebody said to you, the Bible says, God's word says, you're like, well, that's one opinion. But that's not how a believer is. If you're a true believer in Jesus, then when somebody says to you, this is what the Bible says, this is what you need to do, you're like, awesome, let's do it. There's a growing, here it is, is there a growing pattern of humble obedience in your life? I'm just asking. I can't believe how many people I talk to who say they've known the Lord for years but can't do a single thing that God wants them to do. Is there a growing pattern of humble obedience in your life? Because that's evidence of true salvation. If you're still prideful, if you're still stubborn, if you're still, I'm going to do it my way, that's really, really bad. You're, I, I doubt very much that you're saved. I doubt very much that you're going to heaven. But if there's a growing pattern of humble obedience in your life, that would be salvation evidence. You say, obedience to what? Well, um, 
Jesus asked us to do two specific things. Be a good place to start. One of them was, uh, these are called ordinances or orders. He asked us, first of all, to remember him. Every time we have the Lord's table, we're supposed to take the bread and the cup and remember the sacrifice of Christ for our forgiveness. A second thing we're supposed to do is he asked everyone who believes in him to be baptized. That's why he was out there baptizing people. He doesn't just want you to have faith secretly in your heart. He wants you to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord as you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, Romans 10, 9. It's not just supposed to be a private little hide it under a bushel thing. It's supposed to be a public flag at the top of the pole. I believe in Jesus Christ and I don't care who knows. That's what baptism is for. But it's salvation evidence. It's a first step of obedience. Wow. As I was watching that, I'm just thinking, church and television, they're just different. They're a different thing. Well, yeah, because in that context, um, that message, I invited people to come forward and to be baptized. And, you know, those are incredible times in our church as people come and testify to how they've given the life of Jesus first. That important step of believer's baptism that pictures the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, every follower of Jesus needs to be baptized, and I love those times in our church, but obviously um, we can't do that with you. So, yeah, those are the best services in our church, and I love the stories. The stories are so clear, and they're so powerful. I was this, then God did this, now I'm this. Yeah, yeah. So powerful, right? Yeah, so impactful that, honestly, uh, we don't want you to be left out of what it's like to be at a harvest service. So um, here's a powerful story of God's saving grace in one man's life. I'm Rex Rourke. I've been attending Harvest for about five months, and I go to the Elgin campus. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents are both very godly people. We lived in Texas, and we moved around quite a bit, so I averaged the school probably about one a year. It wasn't until say, 7th or 8th grade that I actually had a legitimate friend, so I was used to being by myself. I was picked on a lot as a kid. It was later on that I realized that if I fought back, it would stop. I started attending a very rough public school. It was eat or be eaten, and I did not want to be eaten, so I learned how to fight. Sorry, my junior year, I started participating in underground MMA fighting. I dealt drugs there, too. I started dealing drugs just because I needed money. I got into steroids because I thought they would make me a better fighter. I blew all my prize money, all my drug money on steroids, which eventually just led me into rages all the time. I was never a happy person. I was always angry at someone or something. My fighting instinct just came out all the time. I never wanted to just talk with somebody. I always wanted to size them up and say, could I beat you? How much can I hurt you? And what can I do to you to make you less of a person than I am? Finally, on December 5th, I was arrested for having a switchblade in a public school. My mother would not stop crying for several weeks after I was arrested. My father had a hard time talking to me because he felt like this was a personal affront to him. And my brother was absolutely scared because I was looking towards two to three years in state prison.
fortunately for me, it's God's plan too, that I attended Harvest Christian Academy after that because they were the only school that would accept me. I was sort of a community project for some of the people there. It was their mission that they knew that they needed to convert me, that they needed to help me to get me off of my path of self-destruction. I was always the odd kid out. I was the kid who wore black every single day. I had a shaved head. Nobody wanted to get around me because I thought that I was somebody who would hurt them. Parents, junior high students, high school students, it is winter retreat season. We are there. And I brought with me the whole youth team. Of course, I'm sitting there thinking, this is stupid. I don't want to go to this. I spent my entire life running from Christ. There's no reason that I would want to get any closer to him. I thought that I was absolutely fine on my own. Eventually, I went. I had a blast while I was there. But the last day of camp, we had a wonderful message from our pastor, and he gave us all ceramic idols to take back to our cabins and talk about what our idol was. And eventually, we would break those. I took my ceramic idol, and I'm walking back to my cabin, and I'm holding this idol in my hand. And I'm looking at it, and I'm saying to myself, you are such a screw-up, because everything that shouldn't be your idol in life is. And the one person that you should be following, you're running away from. I got so mad at myself that I took that idol, threw it at the side of the cabin as hard as I could, and just started bawling my eyes out. Some of the pieces went inside, and it started to scare some of the other guys inside because they thought that I was throwing a, a rage tantrum outside. So they came out, they talked to me, they brought me back inside. When I finally told them that I had decided to follow Christ, 90% of the people I talked to just started crying and hugging me. It was very emotional, and that just bolstered my resolve to become a better Christian because I knew that if these people cared about me so much when I did not care about them, that God had a better plan for me. That was the best day of my life. I came to that day, and I will never forget February 7th, 2013. And when I came back, the word had already spread. People had told everybody else in the school, everybody had known that the one kid that they thought would never turn to Christ, that he had turned to Christ, and that their prayers had brought me in a new direction. I was surprised at how I felt afterwards just because I didn't have that instinct in me anymore to hurt people. I didn't want to be the animal in the room anymore. And I felt very at peace. It eventually became the only feeling that I would want to feel again, to be at peace with myself and at peace with God. I'm volunteering at Harvest Bible Chapel. I'm doing janitorial work. While I'm there, I get to grow in my walk with Christ. I get to help other people. And I get to finish my community service at the same time. I stopped running from God. I started running towards Him. I wanted Him, and He wanted me. Before, anger was my addiction, and now God is my salvation. God has turned me around more than I could have ever expected, ever hoped for, and I'm a completely new animal now. Well, hey, everyone. We are live here in Elgin. Uh, my name is Nick Matthew. I'm the pastor of Student Ministries here, and I am here with Rex. And Rex, what an amazing story of God's faithfulness in your life. And I know in a few short days you're going to be going off to college, going to Ole Miss, 
uh, life's going to look a little different. And how do you plan on living out your faith during this next chapter? Stay in my Bible, join a community of believers, and share my testimony so that others can learn from what I've done. That's right. That's right. And Rex, I want to ask you, why do you want to get baptized today? To profess my faith in the Holy Spirit and to show that I am I'm reborn today. Yeah, that's right, man. That's right. Well, Rex, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I have the honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't dodge the question. He didn't skirt the subject. And he definitely didn't downplay who he was. The question, who is Christ? In the Gospel of John, we find the answer. Jesus tells us himself in seven distinct ways that meet us exactly where we are, beginning each answer with, I am. You can learn more about this Jesus of the Bible in our seven-chapter study guide of John's Gospel, I Am. This study will take you through each of the I Am statements of Jesus and help you see how they relate to your life today. The guide also includes the book of John from James McDonald's own Bible with his personal insights and notes in the margins. Get to know Jesus as he has revealed himself in Scripture by asking for the I Am study guide when you give a gift of any amount to walk in the Word. And by supporting this ministry with a gift of $130 or more, we'd also like to send you a special kit containing everything you need to dig deeper into God's Word. Call 888-581-9673 or go now to jamesmcdonald.org. Okay, so we've been doing this TV program together for a while now, and i got to say, before we started doing it, I didn't really understand how television works. Yeah. And so i got to assume there's people out there, they don't understand how television works. You're talking about how it's funded? Well, yeah, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about a bunch of things, but I really think that your view on it, it's really balanced. I think it would be helpful for you just to explain it and tell us about it. Well, we buy uh, the television time from the uh, broadcasters who own the stations and the satellites and the signals. They uh, fund their ministry by us purchasing uh, television time. And, uh, you know, you kind of see two extremes. You've got the one guy who's on there all the time, and he's like, send the money, send the money. I make a salary from our church. I don't take anything from the television ministry of any kind, but there is the cost of the time itself. And what we believe about that is, is we believe the people for whom walk in the word has become a trusted source of spiritual nourishment. At some point, we hope they cross the bridge from this is a blessing to me over into I'm part of making the blessing happen in the lives of others. We pray about that every day. And if God's been using Walk in the Word in your life, maybe it's time for you to become a partner with us in seeing this ministry happen and cover the costs so that it can continue.
Bible is the world's best-selling book. Millions of people turn to it for inspiration every day. For your gift, TBN would like to send you this Love Letters New Testament featuring the easy-to-understand Living Bible Translation. Wherever you are on your Christian walk, this practical and powerful book will help you understand more about God, life, relationships, and faith. Please give by mail or online. Faithful TBN partners and friends, we want to share your TBN story. Mind may touch a mind, and a story formed in a heart may even touch a heart. But a story that's been formed in a life changes lives, and your TBN story may be one of those. So if you have a personal story about how TBN has impacted your life or the life of a loved one or friend, we want to hear about it. Please email your comments today to mystory@tbn.org. We want to thank you in advance for sharing with us in this unique way to impact hearts and lives around the world with the power of God's Word and the power of your testimony. Again, that email address is mystory@tbn.org. TBN Salsa is the newest member of the Trinity Broadcasting family of networks. This exciting network, geared toward Latinos, features a variety of programming infused with spice and flavor. If you live in a city with a TBN station, you can get this over-the-air channel free by hooking up an antenna to your home. Just purchase an indoor or outdoor antenna from your local hardware store, connect it to your TV, and you're good to go. Hook up to TBN Salsa over the air, subchannel five today, and enjoy it free of charge. It will bless you. You know, it takes. Hello? Hello? Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Good morning. 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 When you think about those things in your life that that you that that, that you we take for granted. In him do I live, who then has my being. And then you sit there and you look back over your life and you think things over. And then you really feel, realize that you're good. And you know why? Because there's nothing without him. We're nothing without him. That's why each and every day we rise to this morning, Sunday. He blesses us with one more day to, to say, In Him do I live, we have my being. Because if it would not been, if it had not been for Him blessing us with the blessing of life, we can sing, In Him do I live, breathe, move and have my being. Because of the great I am in, in, in Him who makes us great, her in him as well, because we're to lean on him, depend on him for all that we ever think, say, or do, 
Because in him do I live, move and have my being. Because I'm nothing without him. So I, so as I as I minister to us today, us meaning myself, let's not forget the great I am in our lives who make us who we are each and every day as we live and breathe. So I thank you, God, today. With thanksgiving in my heart, I thank you, God, today, because in you, in you, I can breathe, move, and have my being. So, God, I thank you. Thank you, God, for, for all that you have blessed us with today. Not yesterday, God, but today. The new morning by morning that we see right now, God, I thank you. Thank you for my life, my health, and my strength because if you didn't have to do it, I'm, but I'm so glad that you did. Wake us up one more day to get it right and to pray and worship and lift up your holy name, God. God, I thank you and I love you. Because each and every day I'm going to lift your name on high. And I'm going to sing your praises until my last breath is taken. Hallelujah. So I rejoice in knowing that I got one more day to praise your name. So thank you, God, for the words and the prayers that are going to be brought forth today on this call to bless, deliver, restore, mend, bond. Thank you, God, for being that great I am in all our lives. It is in Jesus' name I humbly submit this prayer to you, the people of my soul. I say amen. How y'all doing this morning? Amen. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good today. Um, you know, when you when you listen to songs to your spirit, songs that feed your spirit, stir your spirit, and you really think about the words, it just feeds you. It lifts you. It restores you all the above of, of, of everything that you can ever imagine a thing that God has blessed you with. And the inhale and the exhaling of your breath is a blessing in itself. God, I thank you. I thank you right now. And I'm going to go ahead and lift my list up because um, I'm, I'm drawing closer to this. Job or this, um, yeah, this this blessing of mine. I know it's, I'm gonna say a blessing because you know people they didn't have to come back, but I thank God they did because we just saw fit that I needed to to be blessed financially. Um, so I thank Him for the blessing that He's given each and every one of us. He's given every day that we rise and go all to the work workplace. Not only a blessing in the workplace, just blessing to give and to do in the workplace. So we got to keep on pressing, pressing to bless. Press for a blessing, or pressing for a blessing, to give to someone else. Not for our own, but to give to someone else. But we truly will be blessed once we bless someone else. Dear Heavenly Father, God, as I bow before your throne of grace and mercy, God, I thank you, God, today. Thank you for letting me bow before your throne and lift up to you the sick and shed in God. Continue to heal us and meet us in our needs, God, like only you know how to do. Healing, healing us where we need healing, whether it's mind, body, soul, and spirit, God. Continue to lay your hand upon us because we know one touch from you will make us whole. So right now, God, I thank you for that touch, that great expectation that I'm going to know that you're going to heal our bodies, you're going to heal our minds, you're going to heal our spirit, and you're going to heal our souls, that we continue to draw closer to you, God, and give all our, cast all our cares on you. You will heal our land. God, I also like to lift up the the, the, the families who are in bereavement right now, God, 
my baby girl, Pantanella, God. I want to lift up her family, God. You know that, that, that heaven has no sorrow, that earth has no sorrow, that heaven cannot heal, God. So right now, in her time, in her family's time of going through their, their moments of sorrow, send the comfort that they need, God. Send the comfort that going to minister to the hearts of her family, God. Send that comfort and that peace that surpasses all understanding, God. God, I want to lift up that, that family, that, that family, the Pritchett family, God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, send them the great confidence. Send them the love, the love that, that's desired, the love and confidence that is desired right now in the time of sorrow. Right now, God, heal their brokenness, God. Heal their brokenness right now in the name of Jesus. Let them lean on to you for the understanding that they need right now in the name of Jesus. Our hearts always bleed for someone who's, who's lost someone, God. So right now, let us lift up this family and all the other families, even even the Houston family as well. Lift them up right now in the name of Jesus. In that loving place, that they can feel your presence in their lives and grant them that peace. In Jesus' name, I almost admit this prayer to you, and I say amen, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Can you um, lift up Arthur's family? Um, got some issues with his dad over the weekend. Right now, God, I, I bow before your throne of grace, God, and to lift up the, the Richardson family, God. God, you know all about the issues. You know that I know that you can heal, fix, turn around, and deliver, and save, and just, just, just turn that miracle, turn that issue into a blessing, God. Continue to be with the family and strengthen them together, God, as they go through the challenges of life, go through the challenges alone, giving it all to you and casting it all to you in your and putting it, placing it in your hand and leaving it there, God, because you will. Heal, you will deliver, you will turn around, you will do all that is needed. So, God, I lift up the Richardson family as well, God. Touch, heal, and deliver. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So breathe to me and live in me. Let your glory reign in me. Jesus. 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 I got to go into this office. I got my, my eyes are filling with tears. Because <coughs> you always want the people of the people to see God before they see you. And I thank him for creating me to worship and praise his holy name. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Mm, Y'all have a blessed one. I can't stay on long, but I got to go in here. Have a blessed one. Have a blessed one. I love you anyway. That's what you say. Uh, Woo!
Watch out there now. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> I love y'all. I love you too. Bye. Lord God, we thank you this morning. Thank you for you being God, Lord, for you being our strength and our protector, our cover, our lead, our leader, our guide, Lord, our counselor, our instructor. Lord, we just thank you for all the blessings that you allow us to bask in. Lord, we thank you for reigning over our lives and pouring into our lives, Lord. We pray that we continue to seek you, Lord, that we may become stronger in your word, more resilient in your word, Lord. Just leaning closer to you, understanding what it is that you have for us to do, what it is that you will direct us. Lord, I just pray for healing and covering and protection. Um, Lord, my spirit and my soul has been heavy, Lord, and I just ask that you would touch and bring about the restoration according to your will as you see fit for me, Lord. I pray a special prayer for my daughter. I ask that you cover her, Lord, that you protect her. I ask that you continue to protect her uh, father and and his family as well as they deal with the fact that they have lost love on him. Lord, I ask that you comfort them and only the way that you know how that will bring about the understanding that you deem feasible for them. Lord, I just ask that you strengthen them in their weak areas. Lord, I lift before you prayer shifting ministries as a whole and prayer shifting ministries family. Lord, thanking you for the word, your word that you promised us that will never return to us void, Lord. Thanking you for the fact that it is rooted in our hearts and our minds. And thanking you for letting your word be our foundation that we are able to communicate and talk to one another, even in our own sorrows, Lord, that we're able to see your word and that we're able to be healed and strengthened by your word. I thank you for the family members that, Lord, you have blessed us to be able to know in the way that you desire us to know them. I thank you for the strength and the growth and the wisdom that they have poured into us, Lord, and I pray that we continue to pour into one another and intercede on behalf of one another. It's in your son Jesus' name that I thank you, Lord. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray for strength. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray for wisdom. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray for counseling. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray for understanding. And it's in your son Jesus' name that I lift your name on high. Amen.
Uh, maybe I'll go ahead and do my list. Anybody else want to do theirs before I get started on mine? I know you spit all over the place. What'd you say? I said, I know you spit all over the place. Ah, oh, shut one. up, woman. It sound, it, that sounded wet. You know what? I, I, oh, mm. <laughs> Go dry off. Change your shirt. Oh, oh, no, let me do my list. <laughs> mm. And clean the counters off, too. I'm sure you oh. got them. Edeon. I don't Kim Moore, I'm going to go go Station, 
Teresa Crosby, Hundred of the Station of the Deja Brown, Community Service, Hook <laughs> Manuel Rosa, 
Three masters and arrows, same for two. Bush go station, 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 go go station, go go Bushikosha, <laughs> Morgan Farley, Sakara. 
Congregation, churches, missionaries, prisoners, um, abuse, addiction, and unsaved. Anybody want to do those? Don't everybody jump all on once now. Put this up. All right. The congregations and churches. Congregations and churches, prisoners, and I got sugar, 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 sugar,
Okay, got abuse and addiction, death, deceased in hospital, Financial breakthroughs and turnarounds. Um, <laughs> financial breakthroughs and turnarounds. Uh, the ability to persevere until the end, to faint not. Supernatural superhuman strength ability gifts and talents on a synergistic and increasing basis. Health, healing, and restoration on a synergistic and increasing basis. Supernatural, superhuman strength, ability, gifts, and talents on a synergistic and increasing basis. Okay. 
Knowledge, wisdom, understanding, understanding, just an increasing basis. And get all that water off the floor. But he come up there and hollering on. But he come up there and start hollering at you. Go get all that water off the floor. You want something to drink? Drink the water off the floor. Okay, we got knowledge, wisdom, understanding on synergy, just an increasing basis. Supernatural, superhuman strength, ability, gifts, and talents on synergy, just an increasing basis. Health, healing, restoration. Financial breakthroughs. And restoring of our youth on a synergy on an increasing basis. And that's all of the list of sisters, sisters, sisters. Yep, that's all of the list. Okay, so next, um, what I got? Okay, well, that's it, really. Yeah, that's it. Okay, listen to a couple of songs and we get into the reading.
If I were in control of my life, I think that I would have worked things out differently.
All right, all right, all right. It's time for the reading. Okay, the judgment. The common opinion that the millennium is to be ushered in by the preaching of the gospel and that after the millennium there's to be a general resurrection followed by general judgment, and then the earth is to be destroyed by fire is not scriptural. There can be no general judgment because the scripture speaks of one judgment as being in the air in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10, another on the earth, Matthew 25, 31 through 46, and a third in heaven, the earth and its atmosphere having fled away, Revelations 20, 11 through 15. And to make sure that these three separate judgments should not be combined in one general judgment scene, three different thrones are mentioned. The judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, in the air, for believers only. The throne of glory, Matthew 10, I'm sorry, Matthew 25, 31 and 32, on the earth, for the nations. The great white throne, Revelations 20, 11 and 12, in heaven, for the wicked dead. The scripture speaks of five separate judgments. They differ in five general aspects as to the subjects, time, place, basis of judgment, and results. Subjects, believer as to sin, time, A.D., 30, place, Calvary, basis of judgment, Christ's finished work, five, results. Number one, death as to Christ. Number two, justification as to the believer. This judgment is passed. The Bible proofs of the result of this judgment are in Romans 10 and 4. For Christ is in the end of the law for righteous to everyone that, is, that believeth. I'm sorry. For Christ, is the end, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. There is therefore now no condemnation, judgment, to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him and hath sent me have everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, judgment, but if he pass from death unto life, John 5 and 24. The believer's judgment for sin then is passed and was settled at the cross, but we must not forget that the judgment of the believer is threefold, as a sinner, as a son, as a servant. Hmm. 
As we've already seen, his judgment as a sinner is past. Let us look at his judgment as a son. As soon as a sinner accepts Christ as his personal Savior, that settles the sin question for him. For if our iniquities are laid on him, Jesus, then they are not on us. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. But the sin question and the but the sin question and the sins question are two different things. Christ died on the cross to atone for sin, to pay for the penalty of Adam's disobedience in the Garden of Eden. Sin is that tendency in mankind to do wrong, which we call natural depravity. We do not get rid of this tendency by the new birth, but if we get a counteracting force called the new nature, we become a dual personality composed of the old and the new nature, and which should predominantly depends on which we which we feed and which we starve. This explains the warfare that Paul describes as his experience after his conversion in Romans 7, 1-25. This warfare will continue until the old nature is eradicated to death. Sins are the outward act of wrongdoing that we commit as a result of our tendency to sin. These sins must be put away daily by confession. My little children, these things, these things I write unto you that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 1 John 2 and 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1 and 9. Our judgment as sons is for unconfessed sins. The punishment is chastisement. This explains much of the chastisement of Christians and should show them they are sons and not bastards, Hebrew 12, 5 through 11. Paul says, if we judge ourselves... We should not be judged, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. 1 Corinthians 11, 31-32. Our duty then as sons is to self-judge ourselves daily, confess our sins, and so avert the chastisement of our Heavenly Father. Right, I'm going to just stop it there. All right, I'm going uh, to put on a song for a minute.
Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Nay. Hi, how you bae? How y'all doing? Be pretty good. How you bae? I'm being pretty good myself. Well, that's pretty gosh darn good, girl. Okay. I guess it's going to be a pretty good day, huh? It's uh, going to be another hot one. That's what it's going to be, I reckon so. Yeah, it's going to be a circle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Arthur done sent that heat up here. That boy done just said, ah, they got to get some of that heat up there. They got to spurn some of us. Hey, well, I ain't going to complain. What the heat be getting up there? We going to hit the 90s today. We've been, like, the last couple of days has been kind of warm. Kind of warm. <laughs> Did you say kind of war? <laughs> look, look, y'all, so y'all don't know, we've been outside digging and, and this and, and out and getting scorched and stuff, digging and working, so, hey, I'm doing what we got to do. True. But yeah. That's true. All right, well, let me go back through this lesson again. The common opinion is that the millennium is to be ushered in by the preaching of the gospel, and after the millennium there is to be a general resurrection followed by general judgment, and then the earth is to be destroyed by fire is not scriptural. There can be no general judgment because the scripture speaks of one judgment as being in the air, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10, and another on the earth. Matthew twenty five thirty one through forty six, and a third in heaven, the earth and its atmosphere having fled away. Revelations twenty eleven through fifteen. To make sure that these three separate judgments should not be combined in one general judgment scene, three different thrones are mentioned. The judgment seat of Christ, Second Corinthians five and ten, in the air for believers only. <coughs> the throne of glory, Matthew twenty five thirty one and thirty two, on the earth for the nations. The great right throne, great white throne, Revelations twenty eleven through twelve, in heaven for the wicked dead. Now that, that that's interesting. I, I mean, it's just really he's breaking this stuff down by scripture. There are three different judgments. In the air, that's that's when believers are called. Now, see, he's got me got me thinking. I got to go back. But in the air, that's that's at the rapture when Christ first appears. We're being called into the air. Yeah, right. Then. For the nations, that's um, the judgment of nations. When he comes down and he's judging them, he's going to be the king. And then the third was for the wicked dead. That's going to be, if I'm correct, it's the wicked dead is going to be after the millennium. Yep. Okay. You're okay. Correct. So yeah, so it's, it's breaking us down. It's not one judgment. It's, it's three different judgments in three different locations where they're going to be where they're going to be. Um, you know, done that. So it's really breaking some things down. They differ in five general aspects as to subjects, time, place, basis of judgment, and result. Now, number one, subjects, believers as to sin. Number two, time, A.D. 30. Number three, place, Calvary. Number four, basis of judgment, Christ's finished work. Number five, Result, and he broke that down into death as to Christ, justification as to the believer. This judgment is past. The Bible proofs of the result of this judgment are in Romans 10 and 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. 
There's therefore now no condemnation, judgment to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth, that hear my word and believeth on him that sent me, have everlasting life and should not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life, John 5 and 24. Okay, so now he's breaking this judgment down into five different areas arenas. You got subjects, time, place, basis of judgment, and, res and result. And the first one he's dealing with is the judgment of sin. And he's coming from Romans 8 and 1, that there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So basically... Basically, coming, he's looking at it from the perspective of us being in Christ in Romans 8 and 1, that we're free from the law of sin and death, but that's Christ's finished work. Well, I'm going to just keep reading because he's going to break it down better than what I'm saying right now. The believer's judgment for sin then is past and was settled at the cross, but we must not forget that the judgment of the believer is threefold as a sinner, as a son, and as a servant. Now this is extremely good. It's breaking us believers down into the three aspects of, of how we are dealt with. And it's three different components. He said as soon as a sinner accepts Christ as his personal Savior, that settles the sin, S-I-N, question for him. See, that was done at Calvary. Okay. That I sin nature. That was that was a settled deal at Calvary. We we now have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So that whole thing that Adam did did is for as far as once you become a believer, it's settled. S I N sin. For if iniquities are laid on him, Jesus, then they are not on us. Isaiah fifty three, five and six. But the sin S I N question and the sins, S-I-N-S, question are two different things. Christ died on the cross to atone for sin, to pay the penalty of Adam's disobedience in the garden. Sin is that tendency in mankind to do wrong, which we call natural depravity. We do not get rid of the tendency by new birth, but we get a counteracting force called the new nature. So he's saying... Our sin, S-I-N, was dealt with by Jesus on the cross. That sin nature, the depravity, that which Adam did. But see, again, the, the, the nature or the tendency is still within us, but now we've got something that will go against us, and that's going to break down the difference between sin, S-I-N, and sins. That's the things that we do. See, we are saved by grace, and now our sin, S-I-N, was dealt with on the cross, but our sins, S-I-N-S, we still have to work with God to, to get rid of our sins so that we can, and that counteracting force, the new birth was given to us to help us to get rid of the sins, S-I-N-S. We do not get rid of this tendency by new birth, but we get a counteracting force called the new nature. We become a dual personality composed of the old and new natures and which your predominant depends on which we feed and which we start. Mm. You're going to fend your sin, 
nature, which is your flesh nature, or you're going to feed your spirit. Feed, I'm sorry, feed. You're going to feed your faith or you're going to feed your fear. We're going to feed it one way or the other, even by inaction, by not doing anything because of just the nature of the tendency of the flesh as a whole. By not doing anything, you are automatically feeding your sin nature because that's not giving your spirit nature anything. To see, everything, we already got that nature in, inside of us, and you got the spirit of the world. So by you not doing anything, period, then the natural tendency is for you to death and decay and decline. If you even stay where you're at, you're going to death and decay and decline. So the only way to counteract your sin nature to help us overcome that is to feed our spirit. And that's on a day-by-day basis. Okay, I'm going to read that again. This tendency to buy the new birth, but we get a counteracting force called the new nature. We become a dual personality composed of the old and new natures, which which should predominate depends on which we feed and which we starve. This explains the warfare that Paul describes as his experience after his conversion in Romans 7, 1 through 25. This warfare will continue until the old nature is eradicated at death. Sins, S-I-N-S, are the outward acts of wrongdoing that we commit as a result of our tendency to sin, S-I-N. These sins must be put away daily by confession. I'm going to even go a little bit further. Confession is one thing, but it requires more than that. And basically he's just giving, you know, a general thing. We got to confess. We got to we got to throw down imaginations. We got to feed our spirit. We got to humble ourselves and turn it over to Christ. So confessing is an aspect, but it's going it's going to take work. And even he broke down earlier even then, actually, that spirit, soul, and body. See, you, I'm getting confused in the book. He's really getting into the spirit, man. But he, and, and and that that even helps us to get a better understanding of even in it's, it's more than just confessing. We really got to turn it over to Christ and let the depth of the cross work inside of our spirit and our in our soul nature and our flesh nature, so that our spirit nature will begin to rise up. So that's even breaking it down even more. So it's even more than just confessing. It's going to require a lot of work, but it's going to require us to decrease so that Christ can increase. So these sins must be put away daily by confession. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John 2 and 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1 and 9. Our judgments as sons is for unconfessed sins. The punishment is chastisement. This explains much of the chastisement of Christians and should show them they are called sons and not bastards, Hebrew 12, 5 to 11. Paul says, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned, judged with the world. 1 Corinthians 11, 31-32. Our duty then as sons is to self-judge ourselves daily, confess our sins, and so avert the chastisement of our Heavenly Father. So, again, 
confessing our sins. So the confessing is part of it, but understanding the difference between sin, S-I-N, and sins, that which we do. Sin, he's talking about the sin nature, which Christ dealt with on the cross. But we are saved from that, but we still have to deal with our daily sins. And by doing that, we won't... We can uh, we won't do the sins that we that we have a tendency to want to commit to, and that comes from a work with us and the Holy Spirit working together by submitting our spirit to the Holy Spirit and by making our spirit predominantly stand up above our soul and our flesh, so that when we can that we and that that's the right hour spirit soul and body with our spirit. Um, telling our soul, which tells our body what to do, but our spirit submitting to the Holy Spirit. But see, by doing that, then that allows you to overcome the sins, S-I-N, which we want to commit on a daily basis. All righty then. That was more than a mouthful. Yeah, it was. But it was neat. But I'm, I mean, and see, this is really, I can see how these two books are tying in together. And it's funny how God does that because we'll be coming out of one book and out of another book, but yet and still they'll tie in together. And that's just literally the Holy Spirit. But, again, mm-hmm. but it's not just the Holy Spirit. It's also because the principles here, and that's why I always talk about principles. Principles are law. Well, these are all spiritual laws. These are all spiritual principles. So if they should tie in together. And if a principle over here is correct and accurate, and a principle over here, I should say, if a person who's teaching this principle, well, somewhere along the way, this principle of God should line up with the other principle of God, and they got to work together because they all are from God. So it's just a matter of us beginning to learn his principles or his rules and regulations, his governing factors. Principles of law, I'm going to just say governing factors, and we begin to learn that and walk in accordance with such, that means we are being led in, by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And so all things should work together in that manner. Mm-hmm. And I'm done. Yeah, for, huh? What's go ahead. Say? No, you go ahead. I'll just know. I basically, I'm about to say if anybody got anything to say, that's what I was about to say. Well, yeah. Back, even just think about it. On those, even those who die, who who confess their sin, confessing of the sin, confession does good for the soul. Now, that's not scripture. That's just what man says. But anyway, but still the same. Confession is needed. But then, not only when we confess, we got to be repentant. Of all those things, meaning we got to turn away from them, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing about it. And so, in order to for us to be um, forgiving of those sins, we got to turn away from it. Say, mm-hmm. for instance, if I go out there and I and I commit some type of heinous sin, Lord, please forgive me for this sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still got to pay the penalty for it, but still the mm-hmm. same. I got to turn away from that. When I repent from that sin, I'm then I'm forgiven. And then, like it says, uh, uh, you said something about um, in the judgment. We, um, from my reading and, and and reading all through through the Bible twice, well, you know, especially Revelations, we definitely there's first you gonna have the um, rapture, 
when he after the Armageddon, when they were about all the wars of the nations and stuff like that, then those who die within Christ, or the, those who are left here, they're the one who's going to be caught up. That's the first one. Then those who died in Christ, that's the second one. And then you got the then those after the millennium, everybody who has been turned, who've been found, and the Jesus come down and He teach us and things of that nature, and the right way, Satan's gonna be loosed for a little while to turn back those who are not true within their stance or whatever with the Lord, and then He gonna send them and Satan to the that's where the fire pit comes. That's what my understanding was of it. I don't know, but that's where my understanding of it came from. But, yeah, it's going to be three of them. I need to do a breathing treatment this morning. Sam want to act like he's from the South. Oh. Hello? Huh? Uh, uh, I was just saying. Ain't nobody else saying nothing. Sam? Well, I can think of for what you said was the word showdown. All right, I'm back. I heard you all. I had to do something real quick. Okay. So the only word I can think of for after what you just said was the word showdown. The who? Showdown. There's going to be a big showdown. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, we still got people here that's been misled by the interpretation of what somebody else thinks the word is. We still got those same folks that are lost in that church. You still have the same ones for where if they do something they know is wrong, but they don't just, but they feel like they're justified in doing it. And then you have the ones for where they are following Satan, and you know it's 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 enough of cloning and perpetrating. You know, I had a student. That was on Facebook and, and proposed a question. One that's he's about twenty five, twenty six now. In a way, he got a whole bunch of children. I know that. He's supposed to be married, and I guess he has been converted over to Muslim or whatever. Cause he calls his, his name has always been Raheem, but last I remember it was Raheem something else. But anyway, but now he's Shabazz. And he said, "Why is it that Christians always say?" that we are not supposed to sit up and we are not supposed to argue the word of God. First of all, because you don't have to argue the word of God. And I told him, you're not supposed to argue the word of God because the simple fact the word of God speaks for itself. 
And so, you know, they got into that new way thing. Of, uh, well, then this is the King's version of uh, that was King James version, uh, King James um, version of the Bible and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And so then I said, well, then Christians are the opinion that it's not supposed to be argued because the simple fact, why would we sit here and argue about word of God when it sit up there and speaks for itself? We don't have to argue about anything we study to show ourselves approved, workers who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Then at the end of the revelations, uh, in Revelation, I think it's Revelations 22, the last two verses tell you that any man that adds to these words or any man that takes away from these things, they're going to be that's the, that's, they're going to be judged for it because you got so many false prophets out here. Now, these mm-hmm. false teachers are, are definitely, that's what their job, Satan got into them. So to, to make them think that they're right, they're going to come out here to deceive those believers who stand firm on your faith. That's the reason why you just can't go with any wind that blows or any doctrine that sounds good. It's not good to take up with those doctrines, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Everybody, people getting off into the chatting and the Buddha stuff like that. You can't miss Christianity and Buddha. Uh-uh, it's not going to work. Yeah, because when you, when you kneel down before Buddha, you bow down before what? An idol God. And the word teaches us that in, that's in, in, in the books of, of Deuteronomy, Numbers, and in, in Leviticus, that when the command was given, he said, you are not supposed to have no other God before thee. You ain't supposed to bow down before no idols. You ain't supposed to do these things. Now, if you, because God is a spirit, and you, you, don't, you don't know what he looked like. Now, he gave you an idea in the first part of Revelation of basically what he looked like, you know, the, the feet of brass, the eyes of fire, and the hair of wool, and all this blah, 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 blah. But you ain't supposed to go back and try and replicate that. He said, do not worship anything in this earth, the stars, the moons, the, nothing. Nothing he created, you re, you are not to worship it. You worship him in spirit and in truth. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's just amazing and you know we we want to save all of our children. We want everybody to be saved and things. But we, but reality, everybody's not going to make it into the kingdom. We want all our loved ones to get there, but you can't. I was talking to my sister. My 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 niece made a statement to her brother on the thing. This is my my you know the N word. This is my past. I said, uh, uh, Andrew, I would accept that. I say, because you have not been earned, you have not earned that title. You are not that person. You don't want nobody to idolize you. He said, Uncle, oh, they're just slang talkers. So I said, but still the same. This because it's slang talk. You don't make it right. So then my older sister said, Well, Uncle, that's just the way that they talk nowadays. I said, but just because that's the way they talk, it's not the don't doesn't mean that we don't need to correct them. Now, if you love them, you're supposed to correct them. Not even if you don't love them. You're supposed to stand for what you know. I said, now, if we just stand for anything and let it go, then that's not showing that you truly love them. And you're going to be judged for that, for knowing the right, for knowing what's right and not sharing it. Now, whether they take what I tell them and, 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 and perfect those things or correct those things, that's on them. 
But when you go to blaspheming against the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost, babe, there's no, there's, there's no, I can't justify you. I can't help you. But that's just the way the children talk now. They know they'll mean it ain't right. Well, not only the children, you got some old folks out there talking that way too. And that's what gets people to overthink things. Because of what the true definition of the word is, it has been changed to so many different things. That is got that 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 has got their mind in bondage because they're not using their words in the right perspective. I was um, over last week um, getting me something to eat from Brown's Chicken, and it was a it was a man and wife in there, and um, we all spoke, and then something came up for where he was saying that you know, as the words say, the man is born of a of a woman. And then he said, well, I don't know why you all just can't just can't get right. You're always arguing. You're always causing commotion. I, I said, oh, excuse me? And he was like, what do you do? I said, wait a minute, hold it. So he said, uh, I said, now, let's see. Going back to Adam and Eve, Adam had dominion over everything, the earth, the animals, the plants. He was doing good, wasn't he? He was being obedient. They said, yeah. I said, okay. I said, so then, Adam was given a helpmate. And God said, who wasn't good for him to be alone? He said, yeah. But you all still messed up everything. I said, no, we didn't mess up everything. So then he said, oh, I guess we're getting ready to have church. I said, no, we're just going to keep it 100. I said, now, when the snake rolled up on Eve, because he knew better not to roll up on Adam, before Eve had took a bite of the the forbidden fruit from the tree, she stated she knew what she was was not supposed to do, but she still followed the snake. And he said, yeah. I said, okay. And then Eve had got to... Adam and got him to eat from it because, as we say, it's living proof. See, she's still living, but she's not realizing that she just broke the covenant. And so at this point, this had brought in doubt into Adam's mind. So now he ate it, and he's like, well, hey, I'm still here. But then when all um, the wrath of God started coming through. He went back to what he knew what he was supposed to do. So the guy was like, 
Well, um, I said we put it like this. The bottom line is this. Adam failed on his assignment. And in the meantime, when God came down for Adam to repent, he hid. I said, so that's the one thing that we tend to be hard to do is to repent. And he hid because their eyes became opened. Right. The commandment, the charge was given to Adam, and Mm -hmm. his eyes became open, and he knew he was able to discern good and evil and bad and all that stuff at that point. See, therefore, Mm -hmm. if if Adam had not eaten, then we wouldn't have been cursed. The men wouldn't, you know. Exactly. And then they start trying to cast the blame. I think we've mm-hmm. been through this on this line before um, some time ago, um, talking about that, where who, why sin came in or what caused sin to come in or introduced or whatever some years ago. that I, I don't think you had, had gotten on to that, but this, it was a big, big discussion. It wasn't a debate. We discussed it, should I say, because we definitely didn't argue about it. But it is quite interesting. You know, because at that point, that's when he became, that the serpent became cursed. When they mm-hmm. said, you know, that when at at that per, that point, but um, and and was had to crawl on his belly for the rest of his days. Mhm. But yeah. Mhm. But you know, it just it it's amazing to me when we and, and I love discussions about the the word. I'm not going to say the Bible, I'm going to say the Word of God, because um, which is written in the Bible. But I love those discussions, because whenever you keep your discussions focused on God, then you don't have time for a whole bunch of idle other things to come in your mind, especially when you speak mm. truth and in spirit. You know, a lot of people feel like if you have a discussion about the Bible, you, you're you getting ready to go to church. Well, we should have, we should live, the church should be in us at all times. And in everywhere we go, in everything that we do, mm-hmm. but you know, other people don't feel like so. Well, you know, when I come across people and they want to come up to be uh, to be combative, you don't. You know, they you know that's 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 nothing but uh, for the way that this guy was, because his wife just looked at him and started laughing, like you're gonna learn today. But when people come up and say sarcastic things like that, just to show the presence of the devil is there. But then, and that's he, a pop, but then and that's you a also, but you also have to have the word in your heart and in your mind. So when you come up against those people, you're able to do to not defend, but to show them because it's not to be argued. We can't defend nothing, but you're not supposed to, you know. Let it not be combative so that they can go and read for themselves. And then, you know, and they need to pray for understanding. Exactly. So, like I said, it's a pop quiz for us, though. It's nice when we come across and, you know, you can touch and agree with people, but then you're not going to be realistic. We already know we're going to be walking through a valley for where 
we're going to come across some folks that's going to be stubborn. They're going to be working on their own understanding. So when we do break it down and we can show them where they can see it and read for themselves, for one, that's us uplifting. It's also for us following the the commandments and um, God's will. It's also also for us showing compassion and empathy. Because see, a lot of people, they feel like, well, my time is my time, and I ain't got time for you. But this may be a person where you need to take a little time if you're going to sit up there and talk to them about the word. But when you go to talk about the word, be ready to um, show them the word. Right, exactly. Show them how to get that. Not defend it, but show them the word. You know, some, sometimes it's just like the young person, um, you know, scripturally, you be able to go in the Bible and find it. Um, but a, a lot of people don't hide the word of God and know how to direct them um, to the word of God. When you, what, even they say, what even David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, you should be able to, be able to go and show them what, they, what David said. Arthur. That, Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. Didn't I say it was just a pop quiz for us? I don't do pop quizzes, and I don't think it's a pop quiz. It's just this show. Okay. The reason, the reason why, why you say that. The reason why I say it's a pop quiz for us is because we know for people who've been to church all their lives and they and it's quite a few of them that don't have the correct understanding, they will sit up there and argue with you. And they well, won't, they you won't. don't argue. You don't argue. That's no, 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 no. I'm not saying that you will argue. But for the ones who don't have the right understanding, they will. They will argue with you, and they will be sarcastic with you. But for the ones who have the right understanding, they will go ahead and have compassion enough to take their time and to let you know what scripture you can go to and you can find it to give them a better understanding. So they're not walking around blind by walking off of somebody else's understanding. So, you know, when I say a pop quiz, it's basically a pop test to see if we're exercising our faith and our belief. Through trials and tribulations, we learn and we experience, right? Hello? Yeah, here. Okay. So through trials and tribulations, we learn, we experience, and we get to exercise for what we learn. And for what a studying had put into it. And when we go, we talk to someone who don't know any better. We're uplifting Jesus. We're uplifting God. We're uplifting the Holy Spirit. And we're directing them.
But out of those trials and tribulations, no, we're not supposed to come to a point of being combative. We're not supposed to come to a point of um, being a know-it-all. It's just a simple. It's just a simple task. You just have to be better directed because where they were going, they 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 may be this this they may be misdirected. And we know there's a lot of them out there that have been misdirected. So as um I seen one, I seen one part where someone was saying that you know. The teacher is always quiet when the student is taking a test. And when we come up against these other things that's not of God, we gotta come out with the come out with our armor and our sword to let them know that who's we are. So I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. I'm just saying that we already know that we that that we're grappling against um, the spiritual warfare. Well, you know what? I bowed out of that so long ago. Well, you kept on talking about it because of simple fact. I didn't want to get off into that too deep, and I wasn't going. And I'm still not going to entertain it. But the thing is, if that's the case, why is it that you run when a Jehovah Witness come knocking at your door? If what you was that? Know. Why is it that you run when a Jehovah Witness come knocking at your door? Why is it you why run? Do when... I go... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Why do I go run? Why is it why? Yeah, you or whomever, those who don't, who are afraid to even talk to them or listen to them. Why wait a minute, you look up? They're the people, definitely ones that most people run from. You know. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. Hold it. Okay, now let's now, now, now let's get to that. You're right. Most people do run from them. I don't run from them. Okay. Let me get finished. Let me get finished. And it's funny because I have quite a few relatives. They are Jehovah Witnesses. Exactly. Okay, and then too, here go the other thing. Um, not only that. But um, I've had some Jehovah Witnesses come to my house because they live on my block. And they get to talking. And one day, one of my neighbors had told me, she was like, you know, it ain't nothing but a bunch of heathens on this block. I said, it is? And she said, yeah. I said, everybody on this block a heathen? Yeah. I said, okay, so you're saying that I'm a heathen, but you don't know me. You're also saying that you're a heathen. Right, I said I'm just I'm just I'm just using your words, and she and said, "Well, I, I get it." About, and even that word, what you said, heathen, in 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 the Bible, if you read the Concordians, heathens were talking about nations, other nations, you know, people who were not Israelites. And see, people use words and don't even understand the meaning of the words and in the context of which they use words, and so oh. they. And that's the reason why you have to be careful about the words that we okay. choose. I ain't saying now, you did it, but the way they did that, that's because they are not learned. Wait a minute. Okay, now, Arthur, and again, I'm not arguing with you, but we just said not too long ago people have used words out of the true context 
of their meaning, and they wind up overthinking or either misspeaking on what they're speaking of. And the way that this lady was talking, she really didn't have anything good to say about anybody on the block. But in the meantime, while she's telling me this, I'm t- she don't even know me. This is my first time even seeing this woman. She probably just trying to strike up a general conversation. Okay, but she struck up one for where I was paying attention to where she I was paying attention to the words that was coming out of her mouth. Yeah. Okay, so she told me she said, for example, my husband down there letting them young girls sit on his lap and he giving them money. I said, ah, right, before you go any further. How in the world are you going to go door to door and try to tell somebody about something and you haven't cleaned up your house? Now, that's true. And she was like, but, but, I said, no, but not, Miss Because so for one, you offended me because you called me out of my name, out of my character. And you that, and you don't even know me. And then, too, you going to come down here and tell me what's going on in your household? And you out here trying to tell somebody else something else? And say, so I was like, you need to go down there and straighten out your household before you go back and knock on another door. You know, I don't know how we got off the off the resurrection off off to this here, but it, you know, since we there, since we here, we have to be careful about what we allow into our lives. Exactly. We have to be careful what we allow into our lives, and even into our our inner circle. Because if you get into your inner circle, you get into your life, and get to your life, and get into your spirit. If your spirit, then you start speaking those things that that are not doctrinally sound. But the thing is, you know, it just comes down to we got to study to show ourselves approved. We got to study so that we won't get off our mark. Right. You know. You know, Arthur, what you said, you said a couple of things. You said, why do um, people run when the Jehovah's come by? And then you said something. You said, well, we're not learning in your next, you said it later on. And it, the, those two things actually tie, they were said at two different times, but they tie in together, and that's the whole thing. You know, because, like, I, like, when I said, I really just don't feel like being bothered, so I just don't, you know. Every now and then, when I feel like I might entertain myself or talk to him, but that's the average, and the difference between the two, the average child of God does not take the time needed to get into the Word to learn it for themselves. And what we're also learning too is, even when we're doing it, we're doing it from a. a, a a soulish perspective rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us. I mean, you know, and and that's the thing. And the, the, most of the jobs, as far as I know, and I've talked to different, you know, different people, whatever, but most of them are programmed. They're not learned. Just like like when most, most people, when they come out of college, are programmed. They're not thinking. Mm-hmm. And and God will allow us, if your heart is truly there, it doesn't matter where you start. 
If you're truly seeking a true relationship with God, you can start out as a Muslim, you can start out as a Jehovah, you can start out as a Buddha, but if you are truly seeking a true relationship with God, there's going to always be something missing. You'll always be looking for something more. And if you're true, and the enemy is going to try to keep you bound in that, that thing, but if you're truly seeking truth, the Holy Spirit will lead you out of that lie into truth over a period of time. Mm-hmm. So that us and all of us, and even when we do finally discover truth, then you grow in truth. All of us on this line are discovering those. Those were, so so it's all of these are processes. So again, so we have to learn. There are times I used to argue and this that now. Even some of my friends, me and him, used to go back and forth. Now, I don't argue the Word of God anymore. Like you say, you know, first of all, how can you argue something that you don't know? So if you don't, if you don't know the Word, if you don't take time to learn the Word, then you would never know it to be able to get into the Word to explain it to somebody else. And I'm of this percent, I'm of this, this is me saying this. The more I know, the more I realize that I don't know. So do I know the Word? No. Am I learning it and growing in it? Yeah. Because there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff. Especially like the way this book is breaking this stuff down, the three judgments and the millennial reign and and this, that, and the other. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and and see, but I can't go and learn calculus until I have learned my ABCs and my my one plus one is two. So many of us. Manipulate that formula anyway. But see, that's again, a lot of us are trying to get into the, I'm going to say us trying to get to explain these great truths of the Bible, and you ain't even had your basic, and that's the difference. You ain't even had your basic diet of the Word because the Word of God, the only way that you're going to really grow in the Word is after you have had experience with it, and that's, again, that's a dividing fact. So, so many of us have a head knowledge about the Word, but until you have an actual application of the Word, you really don't know the Word because you have not experienced it at that level in that arena. Okay, let's go here. Let's look at this. First of all, think about it. Uh, I don't know how long you all had a chance to even deal with your grandparents on the, on, um, or how old your parents' grandparents were or if you even met your gra- grandparents, you know, because of the simple fact they might have taken their journey and went on and rest with the Lord. Old church, when I, when we were young, let's go back when we were young. When we were young, um, a lot of the preachers that go around, and they probably still do it today, they go on by what they was told. They haven't really read read it themselves, they read the word themselves. Now that we are coming along, we are a people now who you basically got to show me where it is written, that that's where it says so that we can learn and study for ourselves and meditate on ourselves, you know. Because a lot of preachers just be head talking. In, in, let's say in old days, they were head talking because they really didn't know how to read. And they just went by what they, what, what, what they felt. But nowadays, a minister, to, before a minister stand up and to teach us, we require that they at least have some knowledge and have studied that scripture, that word, I examine the scripture, whether they got the Zondervan Bible, pictorial dictionary, or whatever, uh, and, and, and research that thing. Hold one second, please. 
Hello. Well, hey, officer. He went on. He had to answer a phone call. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, boy. That's what he just said that. It brought me back to a childhood memory. And I think that's where everybody is being thirsty to find out the true meaning. Of God's word is because, like you said, you had it wasn't that many people back in our grandparent or great grandparents' day that knew how to properly read with understanding, and they was pretty much giving out their interpretation of what they was reading. Mm-hmm. And because I know it was at one point that my mom something about church, and she didn't have answers, well, I'll tell you what, she said, this was told to me, and I'm telling it to you, and you don't ask no questions. That, I felt that was the most wrong response to give, especially to a kid. But, you know, again, I see a lot of times we have to go back to is and Arthur even said, you know, we're kind of in a different generation, a different time frame. Back as that where we were as a people, and I'm talking about right now just being black people as a whole, We that's how we were. You know, right. we didn't have the freedom, liberty, and because we were, we were, society as a whole, we were confined and we were restrained. So that's the only thing that we could do is confine and restrain. Just like Eric said, hurt people, hurt people. So they're confined and restrained, and that's all that they knew. So this is going what's going to have to work for you. But, again, but as we grow and as we change, then society, as we change, society changes. Right. So so, so it's, a diff, diff, it's a different time frame, different time period. And then, too, back then, we had better compassion for our neighbors. And morals were in, morals were much more in place. Exactly. Exactly. But see, you know, and right now we're in an age for where um, it's a it's, it's a presence of well, I know, I know, and you know, you got like quite a few young people. You try to tell them something, and the first thing they so quick to say is that I know. And then when it comes to passing, what you're trying to tell them about, 
Then they found out how much they didn't know, but then they were too stubborn to sit down and listen. And it's one thing that my grandfather had told me. Well, he didn't tell me. He told my cousin. Because at the time, he was, it was a few years before he checked out of here. And so he was over 100. And he um, had asked me and my cousin, what church do we belong to? And so my cousin, when she started, when she started telling lies, her left eye would get to twitching real quick. So she looked at me, and I seen how her left eye twitching. And now I could do a smile a little bit, and I told myself, Granddad, I don't belong to a church at this time. And so she's looking at me like, how did you tell him that you did? So he said, okay. Uh, he had asked my cousin. And she said, yeah, I belong to one. And at the time, she didn't. So, but he knew what church her mama belonged to, and that was Jehovah's Witness. So he sat up there. He said, mm. "His the face, his facial features had changed. His voice got deeper. He didn't even look like himself for a minute." And he had asked her and called her by name. He said, "Okay, you belong to a church." He said, "Tell me how man can tell you how to get to heaven. He ain't been himself." Tell you how. Huh? He said, tell you what? He said, tell me how man can tell you how to get to heaven. And he hasn't been himself. Mm. She sat up there. She got quiet. She looked like she wanted to just. And her eyes was, was twitching fast. Can you know something? Hello? Am I, am I back on? Yes, you're huh? back Oh, uh, praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! You know, I, I, and, and, and I don't mean that I get you off my, off my off your mark. And I was looking at, I was calling, um, I was inquiring because, well, Sam, you know where I am right now. We're dealing with this school situation, not my work employment, but me getting in school or whatever. God is so good. Thank you, Lord. He's such a prayer answering God. He is such. He's just such a way maker. Well, anyway, there was a school down here where I got my masters from the first time. And they was the University of Alabama didn't want to offer any money. And this school here, the lady was calling to let me know that they do have it, but you know, certain school districts will pay for you. But they were they're trying to get my school district, Birmingham City, to sign on with them as well. But anyway, the Lord just opened up another door for me, you know. Hey, praise the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. But you know, and you know what? But think about it. When the thief was on the cross, one made a mockery trying to make Jesus uh, mock him as being the king, right? Mm-hmm. Son of God. Then the other one says, this man here don't deserve none of this. I'm just paraphrasing. I know there are those who don't like for you to paraphrase, but anyway, neither to say. I'm paraphrasing. And the other one says, um, this man is not deserving of what he's up here for, but we are guilty of what we are for. And when he turned around and he says, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? What did Jesus say? Today, I will, you will be with me in paradise. 
Exactly. And that's what Jehovah's Witnesses focus on. We are going to be in paradise. And, you know, and what have you. That's what they focus on. But it's just so amazing how men would try to distort this thing. And the only way that we can get into their paradise is itself who? Acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And see, that's the way you answer that question when you accept him and believe and believe that Jesus is the Son of the Christ of of, of God, because they called him Christ. There were several people named Jesus. They even named people uh, uh, Jesus here on Earth now. They but they call him the Spaniards could say it's Jesus. But the thing is, Christ means the Anointed One. That's what separate him from the regular Jesuses from the other Jesuses. Uh, 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 people who were named Jesus. So we have to accept the anointed one, the Holy Spirit, the Christ. We have to accept him in order to be worthy of being in paradise. You know, a lot of people want to go straight to God and go past Jesus, but even he says if you ask the Father anything in whose name, his name, so we can't even pray to God until we, uh, 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 until we go in and when we ask it in Jesus' name. Right, Jesus is the door. Uh, and people try to go all past. They try to get that. We want to get to the end result. Okay, let's just say, I want to be a doctor without going to school to study medicine. Impossible. Would you be my patient? Huh? I mean, I ain't for the, in, fact, in fact, I ain't going to come to your doorstep. <laughs> now, I grant you, the Lord has given us these herbs on this earth here to heal us, and I promise you, if that's the case, I said my my grandmother should have had, had an MD, an MD with a PhD used to come behind it. Hey, but you know, common sense was more common back then too. Uh, they they're common now. If we had used the stuff that they used, we we, we wouldn't be messed up with all this medicine we're dealing with today. Huh? All right, once well, again. wait a minute. But you know something, as they say, when you're looking for happiness, it's something that happens in a certain time. It just happens, and we got so used to the quick fixes. The images, and if we look deeper into those images, it's a whole lot of processed stuff in it that's not doing us any good. And if we go back to when people had common sense and worked with real things, we got a much better we got a much better um, return. You know, like 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 with my like with our our grand our our grandparents. I, well, I don't know if well, my grandparents. I'm just speak for my. <laughs> I remember my grandma used to get up sometime when she was when we would get up for breakfast because we spent the great majority of our time with her. <laughs> I guess I had a new wave mama in an old way. I had a uh, had, had a new wave today's mama in an old time, whatever. You know, your grandmama raised you, what have you. Although I had my mom's and dad, and I remember some days she'll get up and she'll go outside the house and she'll look out there and she'll pick mint to make mint tea, especially when I have an asthma attack. 
Right. And she, and she'll make me drink that. Oh, the asthma gone. I'm ready to go back out there, and I'm ready to be the bad little person that I've always been, had a children on top of the house, jump off the house and get beat for it or whatever you get all back in trouble, what have you. And then another thing, she used to make up her own homemade. Everybody else go out and buy mentholatum and all this Vicks app and stuff like that for rub you down. My donor, she made her own out of Lord and stuff like that, and they worked better than the stuff that bought out of the store. Now, that's why I said she could have been a, a, a doctor and right. been in, in about a classroom. But the thing is, but she wasn't going to perform no surgery on me because of the fact she didn't have no skills. <clears throat> But, you know, it's just amazing. If we don't study this word of God, we can't exercise those demons out of ourselves or even pray for them to come out of others because we ain't got that type of faith and that belief because we don't have the word of God in our hearts to stand on. So we have to, and I, I know we, 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 this is what we're doing. We're growing. We're learning. We're learning from each other. I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not fit to argue with nobody about it. But when we get that word of God into ourselves, when we able to help shed light or even to open somebody, each other's eyes as we study, as we study the word of God, we're able to bring it to them. You know, and so that's a good thing because we are all seeking that common goal, and that is striving for kingdom building. Well, that's what I, I I like fellowshipping with you all because we're not trying to get here and impose a, a, a new way of thinking, but bringing light to the old words that have been here since the beginning of time. True. I like that type of dialogue. Now, I'm not thinking to go up here and talk about what Farrakhan is saying, because Farrakhan even called out the name of Jesus. <laughs> but Muslims don't want to acknowledge that. When he thought he was about to die. But the word that I already told you that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. It, that's the word. Mm-hmm. And, but then again, there are those who feel like you can't do all that. Uh-huh. Well, you know, it's um, I had a customer back some years ago. She was Jehovah's Witness. And this is the one thing that we did touch and agree on. Because uh, she would come in, and um, after a while, she said, you know, she said, with you not being a Jehovah Witness, um, you don't act like the other people I come across. I said, oh, I don't? She said, no. I said, well, you know, here it go. And at the time, I didn't belong to any um, certain group or religion, and she was like, well, you just don't. I said, well, how am I going to put judgment on you? For the religion you got into, that's what you chose to get into, right? She said, yeah. I said, okay, so who am I to sit up here and talk about your religion? I said, now, it's funny because, see, people that that are under your religion, and I've seen other religions, when they come across my path, they're trying to um, place judgment on me 
And I'm not placing any judgment on them. And try to make and try to make me feel belittled. But I'm not trying to belittle you. You know, it was a time, I don't know what denomination, what faith we we're in now, what we we're all dealing with right now, nor do I care. It was a time, I'm, a, I'm speaking from the Baptist perspective now, or Baptist perspective. There was one time we did even call on the name of Jehovah. Even though you've read that Jehovah Jireh, he's your provider, which in, when you're reading the context, it says the place that he provides. Jehovah Rapha, he's my healer. Um, that's the place still, and if you read the Concordance, in, 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 in those little middle things, it says the place where God, Jehovah, healed or even Jehovah Nisi, uh, where he held up the banner, gave us victory in the war. When we right. talked about Joshua and things of that nature. At one time, we didn't even acknowledge the, that name, period. Okay, but now. now but okay, now. Okay, Arthur? Uh, okay, now, with her being the Jehovah Witness, I wasn't judging her, nor putting her in a box by that religion she decided to go under. The thing that we came together on and agreed upon is when she told me this one day. She said that, and it's funny because you can look in a person's eyes and listen in their voice, but when you hear a spirit talking through them, she had told me, she said, you know, out of all these different religions, it doesn't matter which one you're under, as long as you get into the law and the will of God. The law and the will. The law and the will. And that's what we should be focusing on, keeping those commandments, the laws that God gave Wait us. Wait a minute. Now, this is what and Jehovah's Witness... that we walk in his will. Right. That's my perspective. Huh? I said, that's my perspective. He gave us a 10. <laughs> he didn't give us a 10. <laughs> and then those 10 laws cover everything that we need. I ain't supposed, I'm supposed to love you like I treat you like I, uh, 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 like you my sister, even though I never laid eyes or even touched you or felt you. I'm supposed to love you just as hard. I ain't supposed to have no other God before him. I'm supposed to honor my mother and my father that my days may be long on this earth. Do not steal, do not kill, do not murder, do not rob. Those little little laws cover everything, basically, that we need to be want to stay in the ark and the safety of him. We're going to be doing his will. Right. And that's what we touched and agreed on. But then there's those who said that that is not sound doctrine. How? But, wait a minute. But, wait a minute. But, like I said, that's what me and her had touched and agreed on. So, even though she already told me what her group was, you know, just like if you see a black person, oh, well, all of them are robbers, thieves, and liars. That's not true. Because 
for you being black and for me to say what I think that you are uh, a liar, a thief, racist, and all of that, you'll be offended, wouldn't you? Because uh, that would be good. I don't think I'd be offended, but I'm going to tell you just like this. Even, and, I, and I'm a person who travels a great deal and has traveled a great deal, should I say. Even when I come to a new, uh, a new, a foreign land or a foreign state or somewhere or even a neighborhood here in Tuscaloosa that I don't frequent myself very often or even depends on time of the day and night that I walk, you know, especially when I go up into these little um, side stores, you know, whether Arabs or whoever they are got these stores, and then you got these little people who don't work or just just that be panhandling around the store or even just lingering around the store and asking you for your dimes and nickels, your pennies, and your quarters, you're afraid. When you walk up in there, you'll be like, you still have a certain fear that those people there are going to, we pass judgment on each other every day. I, in my spirit, I'm going to say, I ain't going to say we, I'm talking about me. Okay, and you'd be true. so afraid. You'd be so afraid. Oh, is they going to cluck me outside my head? What, you're not going to do this? Da, 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 da. I sit with this elderly lady every day, and her husband went outside the marriage and had some more children. And so now the, the one of the children's um, father, of her children's um, seed, walking down the street two days in a row, and we were sitting on the porch, and she said, look at him. He just looked dusty just thuggish, and he did, uh, I, I, I hate to say it, but he actually did, he looked all hot, sweated, no shirt on, had his pants hanging down, the drawers was black as he was, and things of that nature right there, won't work, won't do nothing, and, and he came up and he asked her, and he asked her for a, a beer or something, because she drank beer, this older lady does, she said, yeah, he said, but you drink every day, she said, but I work, I'm a, uh, he said, she said, but I work. And so then, um, so therefore, I don't have beer to give you. I buy me six for myself. And in fact, I said that she know I don't drink, and she don't even offer me one. And so then she and then he said, well, then why is it you can't give me one? She said, well, then you know what? I see you, whatever the little boy name is. Well, he's not a boy. He's a young man because his mom could do nothing with him. He quit school and he'd been through all kind of trouble. She said, you walk by here every day. She said, you don't speak. But then again, all of a sudden, the day because you want a beer, you're going to come and you're going to ask me for one. She said, and then you don't even acknowledge me on a regular. Well, then, you know, well, I could just, if I just needed one, I could just take, okay. So what, what perception do you put on? We make, sometimes we make people judge us by the way that we care ourselves. Ma'am? Well, this, this, okay, okay well, this is true. But the point that I was making was that you go a lady, she so-called studied under Jehovah's Witness, but the thing that she had said was so... um so much on the mark. How was the cockeyed? Uh, uh, you said, oh, she was in the. I thought she had. You were saying she something she said it was totally different from whatever. Go on, go ahead. I'm sorry for jumping the gun. Go ahead. Because remember, I said she had told me. She said the one true thing to believe in is to follow God's law and His will. <laughs> now, 
On the other hand of this, uh, uh, it says the devil comes, the devil comes in different and many forms. So yeah, you are gonna see you gonna see the devil in some white folks. You gonna see the devil in some Irish folks. You gonna see the devil his hands in quite a few things. But then that's why we need the just the study. A constant study to sharpen our iron and to improve our armor to fight against them. Still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and take prayer request. Sure. Um, I want prayer, and she says she wants prayer since she's trying to go and get a job. So she wants to want you to pray for for her to get this job. Yeah, she needs she need a job because I need some money. <laughs> well, I need. I want some eggs and bacon. Can you can you uh, make that happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a problem. I thought I didn't know y'all share eggs. Mm-hmm. Expensive as eggs are. That's why English muffins too often. Uh. Helping everything else. Huh? I said eggs, milk, and everything else. There you go. Get a couple of pieces of eggs now. Eggs you can't buy eggs. Eggs is four dollars for a half a half a dozen here. Really? You can. They put out the they put out the thing that eggs had that E. coli and salmonella, whatever they whatever they with the esteria, listeria, whatever going on, and they jacked the prices up on eggs. Okay. Wow. I just bought a um carton of eggs. I think they had it for like two nineteen. Oh, well then I need to come and shop and bring me some styrofoam plastic wrap because they they charging out the dupe for eggs up here. Mm. Wow. I don't worry okay, about milk because I can't drink it. Hey, hey, Arthur. Huh? If you got a couple of chickens and raise them, how much is it going to cost you? I don't know, because the time they come out, they they inject them with that stuff. And <laughs> they be what, a, a live chicken? Oh, you know, a, a baby chicken, or where they do have the chicken. In fact, right around the corner for me, that's the chicken, chicken place where they process and do the chicken and kill them, all that stuff. And a lot of the, that's, that's a lot of the industry for the young people who hasn't gone to school and done anything. But they pay pretty good. But um, they was telling me how they, um, when the chickens come in, like the little bit of baby, what we call bitties, come right. in there, and they'll they'll put them up, and for within a week's time, the chicken is grown and they're ready to kill it. Okay, the thing I was asking, she she was saying that the eggs there are basically five dollars a dozen, right? 
You might as well say yeah. Okay. I had a neighbor when the eggs got high here. He went out and bought two lives. He went out and got two baby chicks and raised them. And he kept them around just so that he could have fresh eggs. I wouldn't even know how to do that, baby. Uh, You're you talking to a city boy in the country. <laughs> I'm serious. He, I don't even grass. He would do he he would do that so he can have fresh eggs and then after a while he wind up where they made it and he got some more chickens and then the other chickens he knew how to go ahead and wring their necks and boil the water with the covers off. Too much, too much, too much, too much. Ooh, then I wouldn't even want to eat it. But Sam, you want to make the prayer request? He putting in the work. Mm-hmm. Now, true enough, with it being that fresh, and if your body is used to eating this other stuff, yeah, you're gonna have some problems because of that freshness. So we're just asking. Mm -hmm. But, Sam, you going on with your prayer request? Yep, I'll go ahead and take prayer request. Who wants to go first? And Edeon's just pulling up. It's 10 o'clock already? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, 10 minutes. All right. Who wants to go first? You take me on, uh, Marie. I mean, Marie, I mean, I'm. Well, talking Marie. Yeah, Nay. I'm so sorry, um, Nay. That's okay. All right, I'm doing you, Arthur. Okay, who me okay. or her? Arthur. Okay. Hora shida ko rambaka shida ko se shida ko rande ko se shida ko rambrande ko se shida ko rambrande ko se shida ko Father God, I thank you for this man of God. I thank you for the anointing and for the covering that's over his life. I thank you for the giftings and talents and skills that you're blessing him with. Continue to go deeper inside of his spirit. Continue to go deeper inside of his life, Lord. Continue to let the word of God rise up inside of him as you're growing him up to be used by you in a great and mighty way. Let him begin to see things from your perspective, Lord. Let him begin to hear from you. And let him have a desire to draw deep into you, Father, so he can rise up and do great and mighty works. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Balance her out, Father. Correct those things that are not balanced in her life, Lord. Balance her out, Father. Correct those things that are not 
100% the way you desire them to be, Lord. Balance her out, Father, so she can continue to go forth to flow in the giftings of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All righty then. Well, I will say au revoir. Uh, what about the one for Shanice? Oh, I forgot about Shanice. My daughter says hello and goodbye. <laughs> hey, Morgan, how you doing? Like the pictures. Huh? With the blue hair? How you doing? She likes the picture. Oh, I ain't seen it's, no pictures. I don't know. <laughs> oh, she put a picture of her blue hair, I guess. On what? She's been dying her her weave blue, and now uh, she's put it in her hair, and yeah. Anyway. Well, that's cute. Hey. Uh, hey. <laughs> You're right. Anyway. Let me pray for Shanice. Yes, 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 Lord. Let her not walk in fear, but to confront the adversary, to stand firm in the things that God is showing and telling her. Do not back down, but move ahead and allow God to be God. Allow his word to carry and cover you. And keep you. Do not back down from what God is showing you, for you are His chosen vessel. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 All right, then. Well, anybody else got anything? No, I'm cool. no. I, I should try and be on a little bit earlier in the morning. What time do you get on? I'll be on the 6, you know, I had a whatever, I don't know which ministers I have on the 6, but I'll be on the 6. Okay, and I probably won't be here about 7 since I'm not on the clock, but anyway, I'll be on a little bit earlier so I can just give me a little, little bit of that morning time in. I got to get back in the habit of that. I'm just trying to let you know my time now, schedule so you can be on point. You know, I won't have long. Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. I love you all. Y'all have a great day. Son, Sam, be careful, man. Wet, okay. be careful. Hey, All right. Hey, folks, I just wanted to say good morning. Good <laughs> Are we still in session? Hello?
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.